0: Before we get started, we talk a, a little bit about beer on this podcast because about 50%, well, maybe 30, 40%, I guess, the, the point of this podcast is for Peter and I and, and whoever the guest is, is to kind of hang out. And, uh, you know, it's like our guys' night out, right? So some guys do bowling, some guys play softball or trivia or something every week. We do this and, and throw back a few. And I just got some devastating news on my way home from work. Peter, I don't know if you've heard about this yet. Have you heard any? devastating beer-related news oh, my I am. from
1: work? No, I have not. <laughs>
0: it's like two hours ago. Uh, so the Fermentorium, if either of you guys are familiar with that, uh, it's maybe my favorite beer spot. It's also got great food. It's a cool space. They got vinyl. They they sent out an a email or a, or a Facebook or whatever that they're closing effective immediately. There's no warning, oh. no big send-off, no everything-must-go-half-price-off oh. weekend or whatever, just done. and Yeah. Uh, that's a damn shame especially right before Christmas I assume there's employees and everything else yeah yeah I'm gonna miss help. that's
2: health. actually uh when uh restaurants and bars close that's not a very uncommon way for for them to go is by just being like hey we're closed now and then just kind of dumping it on the employees like the day of. Yeah. Didn't BBC do that? The, like People uh, showed
0: up to work and the doors are yeah, just locked B-
2: and shit. Yeah. BBC's B- did that. I know a, a few other places that have done that before. And uh, I've, I've heard it's, it's, it's like a way for the owners to discourage the um, employees from stealing money and stealing inventory. Yeah. If they know that they're going to be closing then it's like, well, what do we care? We can just, you know, like, I'll just have all my friends come in and I'll just, like, right. pour them shot after shot after shot and not charge them for any. Not sticking up for bar owners that do that. I mean, it's still, like, a shitty way to tell your employees. But that's that's what I've heard is the reason why bars and restaurants – do do it like that
0: yeah yeah i just i can see that in like a big big bar that's got you know 20 employees or whatever but uh this this place is pretty small and pretty communal and they still have another location in uh cedarburg so which which isn't as cool they don't have the vinyl and and all that so anyway that was a not a fun thing to come home to and uh peter that marks the third time we've had to announce a a death or a rest in peace of something (laughs) we care about in the middle of this show. (laughs) I don't know, Casey, I don't know if you know this, but we were, we were on live when uh, we found out Coolio died. A year ago or a year and a half ago or whatever it was. Oh, really? Yeah, we had to break in for <laughs> oh, that. Oh, geez. And then nah. a couple weeks ago, it was Matthew yeah. Perry, and we had to talk about it.
2: So, so did you did you review Dangerous Minds then for like... <laughs> <Yeah>. No, Peter, <laughs> or, uh, no,
1: Casey, because it's not 40 years old yet.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: 2035, we'll do it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Casey... Um, video drone ep last january uh you were our second or third ep of the year and our second almost a whole year I, yeah it was our second yeah. or third yep uh yep ep uh, overall and now you're on uh, our second or third to last for the year so kind of come full circle it's a little bit of serendipity uh so so casey yeah. welcome back and and thanks for coming back i guess that's uh yeah sure you're our first thanks. repeat guest hey. so
2: yeah, thanks. Thanks for uh, having me back. Uh, when you, I, like, you asked me if I wanted to do this, oh, like, probably back in, like, September or October. Like, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was, like, a, a, a ways away. Yeah. And when you said, yeah, we're doing a Scarface, I I kind of chuckled to myself because, um... I had like watched Scarface maybe like a week prior to you sending me the message as- asking me if I wanted to uh be on the episode the Scarface episode. and I was like, well, yeah, sure yeah like I mean I've seen I've seen the movie a hundred times, you know, so it was like
0: fresh in my mind and I thought, yeah, that's perfect timing for that. Yeah, so it's even more uh, serendipitous to have back. Well, actually, I, yeah. I remember back in January uh, when, when we had you on and we were talking about upcoming movies from 1983 that you might want to come back for. Um, and maybe there were a couple, but I, I remember you picking out Scarface then, um, or at least us talking about it as an option. Uh, so I held, I held on to that in my mind, and uh, we finally arrived at December 9th of 1983. And um, yeah, the two big movies this week are Scarface, that's the, uh, Brian De Palma, Al Pacino gangster epic. And, uh, you know, it's obviously an iconic movie for, for better or worse, I guess we'll get into it. I'm, I'm not sure where you guys all stand on this one. And then, uh, also my boy, Clint Eastwood in the fourth and, uh, probably biggest in terms of box office and pop culture, notoriety, a uh, dirty Harry movie, sudden impact. These were violent, profane, uh, movies about killers, rapists, and drug dealers. And, uh. They were your christmas offerings in 1983 so what a time to be alive i guess
1: (laughs) yeah we don't we
0: don't don't get that too much now although i guess there is what's that movie coming out now silent night silent
1: night yeah yeah.
0: is that one is that the john woo one
1: Um, that is yeah
0: we also got thanksgiving out there so there's i guess always been some counter programming going on but uh, it is pretty funny to think that scarface and sudden impact were the the two big christmas movies of 1983 yeah, right. i guess but. um all right so boys i guess let's uh well let me intro the podcast real quick uh, this is a podcast called the big 4 with ron and peter i am ron i'm peter uh, every week we take a look at a movie that came out this week 40 years ago uh like i said this week it's scarface and sudden impact on with us again is casey we already introed that so let's just get into it casey you said you've seen it hundreds of times uh, i assume that means you like it what are what are your just kind of general thoughts on Scarface so, before we dive into all the specifics.
2: So I can, I can remember back when, when I was a teenager and I, I was at like a, a point in my, in my life where I was watching uh, a lot of gangster movies. Cause I had seen Goodfellas and that movie had blown me away uh, so much that I, I said, I have to watch every gangster movie i can possibly get my hands on and so i just i kind of remember like going on the internet like back when the internet was in its infancy and just finding like lists of you know godfather trilogy and uh goodfellas scarface casino uh stuff like that and i like now looking back on it it's kind of like scarface isn't really like a gangster movie in the way that like casino and Goodfellas is a gangster movie. Cause he's more kind of just like a, a thug killer. Right. And he doesn't really, doesn't really have a whole lot of class to him. And I think that, uh, I remember watching it and not really liking it the first time that I saw it because I like compared to movies like Goodfellas and Casino, uh, Scarface is like incredibly stripped down and raw yeah you know it's it's not very stylized at all and it, it like grew on me more and more over the years as i got older just because it was I iconography is so you know miami in the 1980s it's just so like 80s just in your face Yeah, excess you know of, with uh... the, the the neon the neon lights and the and the synth music and the phrase, uh, the world is yours yeah, right, on right. the, on, on the blimp,
0: all the you access. know, and it's like, yeah, it was like Miami vice before yeah. Miami vice. It was kind of a precursor, yes. to all that. which is yeah. why I think it's funny. You say it wasn't stylized. I think the movie is super style, hyper stylized almost, but I, I guess I know what you mean as opposed to like, um, a, a director like Scorsese doing good or something like that. You know, it doesn't have a lot of the camera, uh, you know, nuances. Although De Palma gets some sh- shots in there that are clearly artful and he's trying to show what he can do and all that. Um, but you know, sure. it was also 10 or 15 years before some of the other movies you're mentioning. So I think maybe there's just a general... Uh, filmmaking had to come a little farther before they could do some of the stuff that Scorsese was doing in those 90s movies and, and things like that. But I think it's definitely stylized and I think that's why it, it kind of moved into this... Became this sort of hip-hop culture touchstone and... Uh, you know, just everything else that, that sort of glommed onto that. I mean, you can't go to a flea market without seeing a shitload of Scarface you know, t-shirts and <laughs> right. posters. And... It, 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 be,
2: it, be, it became a staple of the, uh, of the television show MTV Cribs. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah.
0: Always a poster in the background. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah uh,
2: Always a poster or, or a copy of the DVD on the coffee table.
0: Sure. Yeah. And it's funny you mentioned Goodfellas too, because I was thinking about it while I was... Preparing my thoughts for this, and I kind of realized that, you know, Scarface was was sort of that movie for the generation, the next generation, I guess we should say that it kind of came in the late '80s, early '90s. Like I said, hip hop kind of glommed onto it and things like that. And then Goodfellas kind of had a similar trajectory, where that's another one that uh, a lot of those same uh, people will reference as this this big movie and i just i wonder what and i get it you know gangster rap gangsters you know whatever i I get that it goes kind of hand in hand and why they would be into that but it is interesting that each decade had this mob movie that like you said becomes this sort of iconography for a for an entire group of people or an entire style and it's weird that you got one in the 80s and one in the 90s and I haven't really thought about what might yeah. be there in the two thousands, but probably like the
1: departed or something, I guess. I don't know. But Yeah, um, just uh, just today I saw a list on Facebook. Ironically, it was the top ten according to some website, like Uprocks or whatever, top ten what they called mafia movies of all time. And Scarface was on that list. And I'm like, well, it's not really mafia per se, but it's I mean, they're they're dealing sure. with very similar He's thing. a
0: gangster or yeah. a mobster, yes, yeah. but that's a broad umbrella, you know.
2: Like a drug, a drug cartel, as opposed to, yeah.
0: you know, like the New York City Italian right. mafia. Sure, I mean, like, what, what is New Jack City? Then is that a, a mob movie? I mean, you know, Brown's got a mob, right? Or he's a right, gang, exactly, or, uh, it's more than a gang. Yeah. You know, they're not some punk ass street gang. They're, they're mm, running shit, yeah. and they're. Uh, so, well, they got it's it's the crew. They're running with the crew. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, I I mean I I totally agree. I think it fits, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not quite like The Godfather or or even Goodfellas or something like that. So,
2: but there's like no there's no uh you know like movies like Goodfellas and The Godfather. They romanticize the like gangster lifestyle. Yeah. And there's like really really nothing romantic about. Uh, Tony Montana. I mean, the dude kind of like he ca- he he came off the boat as an immigrant, and he was already like you know he already had probably hundreds of murders under his yeah, belt yeah. before he got off the before he got off the boat. And so it was like the dude is just a like a stone cold killer just from the very beginning of the movie,
0: right? You know, well, that's one thing I want to talk he, about he, too. He, when we kind of get into this, is I, I my initial reaction to some of the stuff he's doing is how is he? just doing this and not phased by it in the least. And the, the movie wants you to believe he's this just so ambitious about what he wants out of life and he wants to make, make the money. And, and, you know, like, like the the thing says, the world is yours. He, he wants the world. He wants to do whatever he can to have it. And he's been so, beaten down by communism and and whatever he grew up with in cuba that he's willing to do anything but then you get to scenes where people are getting chainsawed and he's murdering people and i'm kind of like where is the he, this doesn't affect him it doesn't bother him he doesn't get sick or lose sleep or, or ever take a step back but then i guess you do think about the fact that he's he's coming from cuba and we have no idea what his situation was there um and even though he tells the the cops in, in america that you know he's never been arrested and he's been a you know, a good guy, he's a political prisoner and he was wrongfully accused like, like many of these people were in, in real life. Uh, that whole opening sequence is, you know, there's real footage and that's, that's a real thing that happened. And a lot of these people were just wrongfully imprisoned by Castro, but it, it does make you wonder if he's supposed to be some sort of mad dog killer, even back in Cuba. And, and maybe he's always been this way. Um,
2: well, they show the <laughs> the, the tattoo, the right.
0: tattoo on his arm yeah. or
2: on his hand, and I think, like, one of the police officers says, it, like, represents, like, like a, an assassin. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, uh, speaking of that interrogation scene, I don't know if either of you guys caught it. I'm going to play a clip from it in a minute. But, uh, Peter, do you know what I'm talking about here? Or what um, I'm going to reference?
1: No, I don't, actually. Just, there, there's a weird,
0: fun little fact. So if, if you don't know it or, or you weren't going to okay. mention it, then you, you probably don't because you would have you'd have jumped on it right away, but um, just has something to do with the way they're dubbing voices in and whose voices they are, as opposed to who the actual actors are in the scene. Really? <laughs> if I, if I play it for you without actually watching, cause I didn't catch it either watching the movie. Um, I, I just thought it was the guys talking, but when I, when I hear it back just in the trailer, or if you just hear it like on your phone or something and you're not watching it, it's, it's pretty fucking funny. So I'll, i'll pull that up in a minute
1: but okay uh, but anyway peter what
0: are what, what's your uh, uh background with scarface love it hate it uh, none of the above haven't seen it in 40 years what's the
1: um so i saw it originally in 1990 ish i would say from the uh from blockbuster video with the with the two tapes bound together by rubber band and uh i didn't really care for the movie very much then and then i tried watching it again probably around 2000 and i absolutely fucking hated it then like i huh. i was really annoyed by it and i couldn't stand like all, like oh this is where i've heard this reference in this song and it was like drawing all these parallels and i thought the movie itself was just so just the it's it was very dated too but as you you know as you grow older and realize yeah it, it was 1983 but some of it i mean some of the music and the montages and the clothes and the dancing were so off-putting in 2000 yeah. that it was just like god i hate this movie right um people either love yeah, or hate yeah, the score sure, for yes, sure yeah. and uh some of that stuff but
0: yeah
2: we had to we had to come around to the 80s being cool right. again <laughs> we, we, we had to come back around mm-hmm. to that not <laughs> me i
0: love the fucking 80s i'm still stuck there mentally or whatever but, <laughs> uh, but anyway so uh so you didn't like it for 20 years for 20 or whatever, years, yeah. years
1: until i watch yeah. it today and uh i'll i'll get into that as we as we move forward
0: okay yeah i have never loved this movie or or at least seen what the fuss is about i remember first seeing it probably i remember recording it and it was on like channel 18 or whatever when we were kids so it was censored i'm sure and uh I I recorded it thinking, cool, I'm going to. This was back when I was trying to amass movies and I would record stuff off TV, buy stuff at Blockbuster, whatever it was. And so I I remember taping it and thinking it was going to be cool to finally have it. And, um, you know, I just didn't really see what the fuss was about. And other than that chainsaw scene, nothing was really very memorable to me about it. Um, and then I think I tried, like you, maybe watching it another another time or two as I got older. And I think by that point, I was just so put off by the all the people who liked it and referenced it. And it's got to be part of every, like you were saying, MTV Cribs or every rapper yeah. has got to reference it or whatever it is. And it's just, uh, by the time we got to college and there's so many fucking douchebags with their blacklight posters <laughs> and, uh, you know, even, yeah. even high school kids. Like my sister's friends trying to be cool and shit. And these are the same people who...
2: The Scarface posters in college were almost, almost as, as bad as the Boondock Saints posters (laughs) that I saw.
0: (laughs) Or, or, and I love, I love Bob Marley, but the idea that, you know, the same people probably have a Bob Marley poster hanging (laughs) on their wall is just so fucking cliched and redundant. And uh, so, yeah, I resisted this movie for a long time, too. Um, I, I liked it better uh on this watch I, I don't think it's a perfect movie by any means i still think it's a little funny that it became this huge cult hit and cultural touchstone but it's got a lot of stuff going for it that um i'm i'm interested to talk about uh so i don't know if you want to give a general plot synopsis peter or what how you want to do this or you just want to go through it scene by scene or, or, or
1: what how about i i'll just do the general general plot synopsis and then we can just yeah. go from there uh, cuz it is a 3 hour film so we don't, and there'll probably be scenes yeah. we'd forget but uh yeah general general plot is is Al Pacino and his and his friend now i'm assuming his family came as well like his mom and sister came at the same time
0: yeah it's it's interesting cuz he mentions that he's you know his mom's dead and he came alone but then they're they're there halfway through the movie so i don't know if they had been there already i was
2: I, I had always thought that they had came already because he couldn't go because he was in jail.
0: Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Maybe
1: that makes sense. It, it seemed like they're already
0: established there. She's got a house and uh, you know stuff like yeah. that and the, and jobs. So yeah, maybe maybe they were there first, but
1: so yeah, we'll and say it's yeah. not really clear. Right. So <laughs> well, Pacino and Steven Bauer uh, come to come to Miami and they're put in this kind of, for lack of a better term, term an internment camp or some sort of refugee holding area. Um, yeah. From there they kind of they're already aspiring how they can make money, get the hell out of there, be more successful, and uh, and it start, you know, they start out doing small time stuff. They're just washing dishes and from there they, you know, they meet they meet the right people or wrong people, however you want to look at it. And it's basically about uh, Tony Montana, who's Al Pacino, and his and his rise from from small time crook to you know one of the biggest drug lords in in the country, probably <laughs> definitely Miami yeah. and definitely South Florida, but it's it's uh, every everything from there is your your usual uh, setup to rise and fall, set up, rise and yeah. fall exactly. So that's your that's your general. Synopsis. Idea. Yeah, well,
0: when they're at the refugee camp, they're given their green cards or, or offered their green cards if they kill some Cuban general or former general. Um, yeah, so there's this drug lord, Frank Lopez, who, who offers them their green cards in exchange for killing them. And that's kind of a funny scene, too, because initially it's Stephen Bauer um, who is gonna kill him or or you, you think Steven Bauer's the one who's kind of charged with this task. And then it's almost just by happenstance that uh you know, he runs out the door and Pacino's standing there and Pacino's the one who stabs him and uh from there on out the the tide shifts a little bit to where Steven Bauer's kind of just this hanger on ladies man best friend. Well Pacino is is the one who becomes obsessed with power and money and uh, willing to do whatever it takes, you know, kill however many people to to realize his quote American dream and like you said they find work as dishwashers and stuff like that but uh, then they get uh, the opportunity to um, pick up some cocaine uh, or or try to buy some cocaine from these Colombian dealers they're double crossed and this is where the, the infamous chainsaw scene comes in so yeah that's the thing that I remember most about this movie when I was a when I was a kid and yeah, same. How horrific it was, but they really don't show a whole lot. And people have commented on this too. You know, it's just mostly suggestive and, uh, but I heard a lot of that was cut. De Palma had to cut this movie down to avoid an X rating. So maybe the actual, has anybody seen a, a like a different cut of this, like a director's cut or an X rated cut no. or anything? I, I don't even know if it exists. I know they've released various DVD editions over the years. I, I've got to believe there's some sort of, Special edition director's cut out there, but
2: now now correct correct me if I'm wrong. Was um one of the actors in that scene was that the guy from uh the the bell ringer guy from Breaking Bad? Yes, in the wheelchair. Yeah, he's he's in the
1: end. He's the um he's the guy who oh, in the at the end, yeah, going to blow up the the car. I think his name is Mark Margolis. Mark Mark Margolis,
0: Yeah. yeah. Just died in um, August. Yeah, he just passed away recently. So don't... uh but anyway, so yeah, they're they're unhappy with their with their jobs and everything, and and uh, so then they get this opportunity to sell these drugs and Angel, who Peter he might recognize him, Pepe sarah from he's the captain or the police in the, rookie. Chief in the rookie. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Uh, he plays Angel, not to be confused with the actor who plays Chi-Chi, whose actual name is Angel in real life. Angel Angel <laughs> Salazar. So <laughs> That's kind of funny that Angel didn't just get the Angel part. and uh, <laughs> Yeah, chi uh, anyway. And Pepe could have played Chi-Chi. It's yeah. all a little closer. But <laughs> <laughs> had to be confusing on set when people are like, Angel! <laughs> so, so Tony, Manny, Angel, and Chi-Chi, they all try to pull off this drug deal. It goes bad, and uh, like I said, uh, Angel ends up getting Cut up with a chainsaw, and uh, they're about to kill Tony when uh, finally Manny and and Chi come in and, and save him. Then they go to meet Robert Loggia, who's the head of this syndicate. He's or...
2: kind of like the, the the Miami cartel, yeah. Dealer, like he he's the the guy on the ground in Miami that works for the, Colu- the
0: uh, Colombians. Yeah, his name's Frank Lopez. Um, so they. They go deliver the, the drugs to Frank. They give him the money, too. And Pacino says, you know, his friend, it cost him his life. And uh, Frank then decides that Pacino's a guy he needs around. He says something like, I need a guy with with balls or, or whatever, steel <laughs> steel balls or, or something like that. Um, but then Tony uh, immediately locks his eyes onto Elvira, played by Michelle Pfeiffer. She's Frank's um, girlfriend. And man, Michelle Pfeiffer's a real bitch in this movie. I don't, like, I don't know why anybody would be into her. I mean, obviously she's attractive and everything, and, but dude, and, and, she fucking and hates, hates everybody. Like, not yeah.
2: not, yeah, and and she she's not really. I didn't really like even rewatching this as many times as I did. I've never thought that she was very attractive in this movie. She's like skinny, like uh, like anorexic
1: yeah.
0: skinny. Mm-hmm.
1: and pasty. Yeah, and, it depends. Yeah.
0: Depends what type you're into. I, yeah. I I guess I just figure it was the. 80s and you know a different body type and different style and, and different everything was yeah in
2: play like even and also well and also too she's big cokehead yeah so maybe that's kind of what
0: she was going for sure well <laughs> even Mary Elizabeth Master Antonio with her big uh, oh 70s, the hair is so bad Afro <laughs> yeah. hair yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is yeah so yeah. there's there's definitely a, a generational gap for us there I'm I'm sure but uh but even you know, Michelle Pfeiffer is pretty she's a, obviously a, objectively attractive and everything like that. But so anyway, he, he kind of falls for her. Uh, before we get too far away from all this stuff, I want to say some of my favorite parts of this movie. and, And I think overall are, are in the beginning or at least in the first half, the, the stuff, coming out of cuba the stuff in the um the the camp or the the detention center there the interrogation scenes Mm. all the stuff where pacino is is trying to navigate this this landscape and and become successful in this in this business i i thought all that was done really well and i never really gave the movie enough credit for that previously i was more focused on the big stuff like the you know the chainsaw scene, or the big shootout at the end, or yeah. or all the stuff where he's he's finally becoming you know, Tony Montana and this huge kingpin and and all that. But I think the first half of the movie is far more interesting than the the back half. But yeah, like that's just
2: oh yeah, that, like how they how they use the uh, the riot as an excuse for a uh, for the political assassination. Yeah, it, it, it's really cool. You know, you can. You watch it now, and and a, a lot of people just kind of like it for the simplistic, I guess. All the money shots, all it, the big I stuff you hear it,
0: about and see in the and people talk about. That's why.
2: Yeah, like well, it. and all like the and, and like the you know started started from the bottom and then working your way to the top. You know, like everybody likes stories like that. Yeah. But like the the political stuff in here was always really interesting to me too, because you know it wasn't like. He was just, it was like to him, it was just another job.
1: Right. Yeah. Definitely.
2: You know, like de- getting getting hired to kill this this guy during the riot, and then they use the riot as an excuse to to get away with killing him and not get caught.
0: Well, right, but that was my question, you know, too. Like I was kind of alluding to, it's it's crazy that he just went from being. A, a political prisoner supposedly or a guy that we i guess are, are supposed to maybe believed in getting a lot of shit in cuba and then he he went from that to like you said he kind of starts out small time and just wants to make some money but then he's just like i want more 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 and he's, he's willing to do whatever it takes to you know he'll kill however many people or he'll watch his friend get chainsawed and then and then th- there's a moment where that drug dealer is like you're next and, and he's like go fuck yourself and spits on him and shit it's like <laughs> where do you get the 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 ball's big. Enough. Like if all you want to do is make a little bit of money or do better than you were doing in Cuba. Um, that's, you know, that's not the kind of kind of guy you would be. Um, but I guess that's the whole yeah. point, you know, he, he wants more than that. And, and yeah, I guess you're supposed to assume he's this kind of guy who will do anything and he's fearless. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. That's one of my big question marks about the movie. I, I would really like to know what his, uh, origin story is or what went down in
1: Cuba, but, I think that they've talked about doing like a prequel, but it's never gotten off the ground, but that's probably better left undone, done anyways. Yeah, that's for the best, I'm sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> but
0: yeah, I, I thought Pacino is uh, my original thought going into this is this is some over the top, insane, obnoxious performance from him. Uh, you know, one of his more scenery chewing things. In fact, I kind of thought this is where he got the idea in his head that this is what I have to to do now and, and that's kind of what everything became after that. But really I, I think he's he's more subtle and, and very good in the first half. And again, it's not until he starts literally just like eating piles of cocaine in the you know last <laughs> half hour of this movie or whatever yeah. where it, it kind of just runs off the rails and everything. Wow. But uh, but yeah I was I was impressed. I, I I thought Pacino did a great job, at least
2: Was was this around the time that uh Pacino started started changing his acting style to being all well
0: yeah i don't know this is definitely probably the first one where he did that and then i don't know what he did throughout the 80s but it
2: would make it it, 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 yeah it it makes sense in a movie like this why he would be like that because you know he's like a crazy
0: thug right yeah, no, so he, uh, but I, mean, I think at this point we thought wild, it was a you know. it was still like a one-off or a fluke for Pacino. I mean, we know he can be oh, loud sure. and intense and stuff like, um, you know, Dog Day Afternoon, and and you know he can he can bring it when he needs oh, yeah. to, but that yeah, but that wasn't like his his whole style. And then this movie comes along, and and again, I, I don't really know what the rest of his '80s kind of shook out like, but '95 is Heat, so that's twelve years after this. '92 uh, is Scent of a Woman, so that's nine years after this. So. You know, in in both of those movies, starting to he's ratcheting it up. He's doing the hooah and the you know the big big performances, and she's got a great. (laughs) And he was supposed to have a coke problem in Heat too, which I guess got cut out of the movie, but they left in some of his crazier scenes. So everybody's like, why is Pacino just like randomly ranting and raving in certain scenes? And it's because all this stuff about his character being a cokehead is on the. Cutting room floor, but <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah. uh, so I'm just saying.
2: Well, and don't and don't don't forget when he acts like that because he's literally the devil. Well, right, you know? yeah. Then there's
0: then there's a <laughs> devil's advocate. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, he uh, yeah he definitely leaned into all that at least as the night. I think when he won that Oscar for Scent of a Woman, he was just like, okay, I gotta go. I gotta go big, but between this movie and that, um, I mean, I can pull up his filmography, but I don't, I don't know that he did a whole he lot did, of, this uh, kind of
1: stuff. I remember Sea of Love was probably like '89 or so. That was kind of oh, yeah, well, that's reserved. a pretty
0: yeah, that's not anything crazy, and that's a great movie too. It is, um, I
1: like that movie a lot. But I can't think of anything he uh, did from like '84 to '88 though. In
0: 1983, he does Scarface. After that, in '85, there's a movie called Revolution. Eighty-nine is Sea of Love. Um, ninety is Dick Tracy and Godfather Three. Yeah. Then you got Frankie and Johnny, Glengarry Gary, Glen Ross, Scent of a Woman, Carlito's Way, Heat, City Hall, Donnie Brasco, Devil's Advocate, Any Given Sunday, Insomnia. Uh, you know, now we're getting into the Al Pacino area. We all we all kind of know, but but yeah, he didn't yeah. he didn't do a whole lot. Eighty-three to uh, ninety, he made two movies so revolution the sea of love (laughs) that's crazy yeah revolution the sea of love is all he did so
1: frankie and johnny's Um, michelle pfeiffer too isn't it
0: yep yeah
1: i didn't even i don't remember what he was like
0: in glengarry glen ross if he was one of the bigger i think uh alec baldwin was the the big loudmouth in that one i think so yeah i i never saw it yeah i watched it not too long ago but i can't remember exactly how he Anyway, so so yeah, I mean this this could have been it, and then he doesn't really do a whole lot for a couple of years, and uh, by the time he comes back, you know his biggest role in the last little while is this, and I guess that's maybe why he figures he's got to. And then you give him an Oscar for Center of the Woman, when, you know, so <laughs> of course he's gonna keep doubling down on that.
1: I never saw Center of the know. Woman either,
0: but yeah. I've never I've never seen it either. I saw it way back in the day, and I was just pissed that he won that. Oscar because there were at least three people ahead of him that year that, that should have won. So but
1: including that's just, Clint for Unforgiven probably.
0: That would be the one, but also uh Denzel Washington and uh <laughs> Malcolm X. Malcolm X yeah. I think it would have been a better choice. Um and I thought there was one other one that year too, but I can't remember off the top of my head. But but that was a ninety two was a good year, so it's a tough competitive category.
1: Right. As far as this movie though, I I gotta agree that I I used to be super annoyed, like I said, by, by him and his performance, but I was, it was a lot, it was a lot better this go around in terms of, I, I guess I appreciated more of his story. So everything kind of made more sense as opposed to him just being loud and bombastic. Like it kind of started coming with the, with the territory with how much power he was getting and how insane he was going with, with power and violence. So it kind of makes yeah. sense. So
2: how do you guys rank this as a, uh... As far as uh, Brian De Palma movies go, because I think this is probably my my favorite, and it's also probably one of his most uh, accessible movies. Obviously, like mo- definitely the most famous, right?
1: Mainstream or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. was always partial—well, not partial, but I was always a big fan of The Untouchables. Um, I never yeah. saw like Carrie yeah. or. I did see Ron and I have discussed raising Kane a couple times, and uh, I absolutely hated that movie. Ron says it's not as bad as I might think now, but
2: of, I I always kind of considered De Palma to be, um, as far as like directors go, he was he was always kind of on like a B tier compared to like Scorsese's and Tarantino's. Sure. I agree with that stuff like that yeah i put yeah. him
0: with uh kind of like a john carpenter type or or something like that sure I've always yeah kind of thought his movies are yeah. maybe a little more in the in the cult vein for people but every once in a while I'll have one that you know stands out or crosses over or, or ends up being a box office hit i think um you know his his biggest claim to to fame or whatever isn't maybe necessarily having a ton of great Quality or memorable movies, but he's one of these directors who has a distinctive look and style, and he knows how to move the camera and and things like that. So he's he's one of those yeah. sort of auteurs who, when you watch his movies, it, they it has his stamp on it. But I mean, he's got some some bangers. I mean, Dress to Kill, Carrie. Uh, I guess the first mr Impossible. I'm not a fan of that, but I mean, that's a that's a big hit and a movie people know. Blowout, um, Carlito's Way, where he reteams with Pacino. Um, you know, and that's just that, those are his bigger ones. Yeah. Uh, Wise guys, raising Cane, Snake Eyes. That's a that's a fucking oh, yeah. terrible ending for a movie, but up <laughs> up till that, that movie really rocks. And talk about filmmaking, I mean, man, he he moves that camera, you know, just
1: like like nobody's business. <laughs> I,
0: know, I I'd lame. like to see that Blame someday. Things.
1: I've I've heard a lot about his his directing in that, so I'd like to see that. But uh, casu- yeah, casual Cas isn't done a whole lot
0: since. Right, since 2000, he's just got maybe like five credits in terms
1: of studio movies, but De Palma definitely has a uh, a knack for for the shock, um, as, as I've see, uh, seen in many of his movies, and, and Scarface is obviously no stranger to that. But like even Casualties of War, is such a fucked up, depressing movie that it, yeah. it could only be done by De Palma. <laughs> so. It's it's pretty heavy, yeah. but but pretty good. Just not not a great film. It's just kind of overly heavy and depressing.
0: I uh, didn't see anything of his. I think uh, Carrie and Obsession, I think, are maybe the the earliest ones of his I've seen. Those were '76. After that, Dress to Kill, I've seen Blowout, Scarface, Body Double, Wise Guys, Untouchables, Casualties of War, Bonfire, of The Vanities, Raising Kane, Carlito's Way, Mission Possible, Snake Eyes. Everything up till there, I've I've seen. Um, so that's a pretty good run of 10 movies. None of them are, are great, I guess. Uh, but they're all, I mean, body double blowout, you know, those are, those are pretty good dress to kill. I would, I would put those up with any of his, you know, best stuff. Um, but then, yeah, the two thousands, he just kind of peters out a little bit. So he's, he's kind of like John Carpenter in that way where he came on strong for, you know, 10 big movies or whatever, and then, um, kind of had a rough go of it for, good decade and now we don't really hear too much from them anymore which is unfortunate I, I guess i don't know why you can't still
2: i think a lot of those directors that were big in the in the 70s and the 80s just don't have the the they just don't have the juice anymore yeah they're old and just want to yeah be just want to have their money
0: <laughs> yeah well studios too aren't going to be like okay well let's see you haven't had a hit since uh you know, the mid nineties, like, sure, here's a hundred million dollars to make <laughs> whatever weird passion make, project. You yeah, want. Yeah.
2: To, yeah. To make the next Marvel movie, <laughs> Brian De Palma Marvel movie. Yeah. That would be. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, I don't know. As a, like a director for hire, he got um, mission impossible, so he can do that. And, and I can't You're think of it off the sure. top of my head, but there's others, like, other examples of that where they've taken some guy who is ostensibly his own sort of thing and dumped him into, um, Kenneth Branagh is a good example directing like, like Thor. Thor or whatever the yeah. fuck he did. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, so, yeah. So they, they do that. Um, I I could see De Palma getting that. I remember when uh, American sniper came out and you know, the, 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 movie was so huge. It made like Marvel money. We're talking like 350, just domestic, you know? And, and um, yeah. And the action sequences were, were definitely the, the, the thing for that movie or the saving grace. If, if you're not a, fan of that movie because i know it's kind of polarizing or whatever but um the 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 tight taunt action sequences and the big whatever and i remember when that movie was such a huge hit they were like oh is clint eastwood gonna ever do a comic book movie or a marvel movie or whatever and as much as i'm sitting here going no (laughs) fuck no don't let him do that it's kind of like i would like to see how some of these guys can play in that sandbox you know give them 200 million dollars and see what kind of fucking comic book movie they would make now clint was way past his prime an interest in, in any of that, I'm sure. But, uh, you know, De Palma, Scorsese, uh, Tarantino, all these guys. I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily want these guys and I, I don't think they would want to do it, but I, I think it'd be an interesting um, experiment, I guess, just yeah. to, to see, like give, give four kind of legendary old directors, the reins, and let's just see what happens. Let, let De Palma make a fucking, uh, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy movie or
1: something. <laughs> but, yeah know. sure did we maybe not did we touch uh have we touched on any oliver stone movies prior to this ron like was there any ones that he had done that we've done yet maybe not I directed but wrote so. okay
0: no but uh i'm that's a good segue because i was wondering why we were <laughs> avoiding the <laughs> oliver stone in the room or the Stone. <laughs> so. yeah because, yeah, of... this is much an Oliver Stone movie as a De Palma movie, Absolutely. or a Tarantino movie, or anything. I mean, it, it. This is like one of those scenarios, like um, you know, Tony Scott directed uh True Romance, but it's still a Tarantino movie. You know, it's kind of yeah. like that sort of thing. Like Brian De Palma may have directed this, but this is a Oliver Stone movie through and through. Um, and Stone was in the middle of a huge coke addiction, and he had to go. Uh, take time off to to write this movie he left the country i guess went somewhere else because he had to just settle down and and then he wrote this story about a guy who ends by you know (laughs) like i said literally just munching on coke and Mm -hmm. and getting completely annihilated and blown away and uh yeah so uh, yeah oliver stone's another one we got to talk about Uh, he's I, i feel like we've talked about him hasn't he at least something on this podcast, but Oliver Stone adjacent that we, (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's what I'm, I mean, I know we touched on, um, on the, on the fact that stone directed, um, natural born killers, but Tarantino wrote it, but that one feels more like a stone (coughs) wrote and directed almost like that. That doesn't feel anything like a Tarantino movie to me. I, I haven't, no, I haven't seen it all the way through. I had to turn that movie off for the one and only time I tried. So,
0: yeah, that that is the time we talked about. It, I think is when we did True Romance. Uh, yeah, and we mentioned that. But uh, yeah, Casey, your thoughts on Oliver Stone, either as a writer, director, or, or both? I mean, uh, I think Oliver
2: Stone is probably around the same level as Brian De Palma. Where I don't know, like I always thought that, like besides, I I I really like Platoon. Yep. And I was a really big fan of JFK, uh-huh. but as I got older, I kind of i i i, I kind of realized I was like I don't know. There's there's something about his movies that I don't know. They're they're not as engaging as some of the movies are for for like you know a Scorsese or a Tarantino because. The, the like the dialogue in, in those movies aren't really very interesting. Right. Like, and it's not very, uh, it, the, Oliver Stone's movies always seemed very like the plots always seemed very simple and straightforward.
0: Yeah. He and likes to make a lot out of, thing. uh, kind of nothing sometimes, right? Like he, it's always about this, yeah. uh, you know, the, the psyche of it all, or, or he's trying to, I mean, the doors is a great example. I, I really like that movie, especially as a, just stylish exercise. I think it's a great movie just to watch. There's a lot of shit happening, a lot of like debauchery, a lot of things just to keep you engaged and interested and and whatever else. But but that's kind of what he does, right? He takes a thing like JFK or Jim Morrison or or whatever it is, and um, he just runs with his own like sort of fucked up fever dream reality of what that would look like. <laughs> and then by the time you get to shit like Natural yeah. Born Killers and U Turn and and some of these movies, he's just he's just going off which 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 weird
2: yeah natural born killers which you know you you watch that now and boy that movie like it it did not age like well at all like it it really it really seemed to me like like that was him uh, trying to be like hey i'm i'm still cool you know in like the in like the the age of the 90s, you the know, like, upcoming Trent Reznor yeah. era. Yeah, yeah. yeah like, he, I can make a David Fincher movie, too.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, the reason that <laughs> yeah. uh, Natural Born Killers maybe doesn't quite hit the way, like, say, True Romance did uh, in terms of Tarantino-written movies directed by other people is that it's really just a story by Tarantino. The screenplay is actually by Stone and two other people, and, and none of them are, are Tarantino. So I, I think they took Tarantino's general... I, who knows? It could have been fucking true romance. Uh, you know, the same thing. Couple like a, on the run. Lovers. Yeah. yeah no, the Yeah. They, mm-hmm. they got no choice, but to kill some people. And then Oliver Stone turned it into this Scarface level, level. Uh, just, just sort of excess of how, how big and, and crazy can we go? And don't get me wrong. There's a place for movies like that. I, I enjoy a movie that just really goes for it sometimes, but stone there's, there's like an ugliness to some of the stuff he does and an off putting, uh, like, like he thinks it's more profound than it is, and really, it just ends up being kind of yes. gross and yeah, and and derivative and boring yeah. and um, tedious. You know, it just takes a long time to get through some of his movies. Sometimes I don't even talk about length; it just yeah. feels like.
2: And and it also and also not 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 for nothing, but it always really kind of bugged me that he made. Any given Sunday, and they didn't actually use um, actual NFL teams. Like (laughs) they had to like make up the names of all the teams on the. Well, that could be because no team wanted to be. They could maybe couldn't get the. No team wanted to be associated with like with players shooting steroids and. Well, yeah getting getting into domestic domestic disputes i'm guessing (laughs) it either
0: cost too much money or yeah no team wanted to be the bad guy or show their players in a bad light so they probably just weren't even allowed to do it i'm sure if he could have done it he would have done it i mean that's my two cents like why would you not want to do that but um he made a movie in 2012 called savages that i think is really underrated and i I like that movie it's got some of his worst uh sort of impulses and excesses but Uh, At the same time, it's almost a little kind of muted. So I guess you could read it as a cop-out even and maybe like stone light for his fans. But I thought it was a good compromise between some of his kind of weird shit. But then also like the movie moves along and has some cool action. And, uh, you know, I I don't know. I think it's got a good cast, a a big cast. And uh, Travolta's in there. And um, Selma Hayek and Benicio Del Toro. And you got weird, quirky characters. And. Uh, I don't know. I, that, that was a pretty good movie, but I think that's the last thing that I saw from him. He did that Snowden movie. I never saw that. Did either of you guys see that? No.
2: <laughs> no. I, n- I never had any any uh,
0: desire to really want to watch that. Yeah. He goes back I, to the well with Wall I, Street 2, Money Never Sleeps. Oh, and God. 22. I forgot uh, about
1: that. I forgot geez. he did a sequel. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Spe- <laughs> speak Speaking like. I, I always
0: thought that the original wall street was terrible yeah i don't know I mean, that's terrible. one i haven't seen it's, in it's in so it's so years. boring yeah yeah i'd like to watch that one again I mean, it's going to be coming up on this podcast in a couple of years if we we make it that far yeah. but uh yeah I'm, I'm anxious to revisit that one uh he did alexander remember that that was the kind of weird um roman you know they're playing was with that me. with
2: brad pitt
0: uh that's the other one that's troy oh, the, the, yeah so the, the no, same Troy, year, Troy, 2004, yeah. was Troy and Alexander. Alexander was, um, uh, who's in that? Uh, Rosario Dawson. And who's the, the guy? Anyway, they, they alluded to the fact that he might be gay. And uh, is that Gyllenhaal? I want to say maybe Jake Gyllenhaal was in that one. Colin Farrell. Oh, yeah. Okay. It's Colin Farrell, uh, Val Kilmer's in it. Rosario Dawson, Angelina Julie. Jolie's his mom. He's got like a thing for his mom, I think. Nice. Anthony Hopkins is in there. Val Again, Kilmer. crazy movie, not necessarily a good movie, but uh, that's I don't know. It's at least weird and interesting, and um, you know, Stone's like playing with this big budget. I, I assume it looks like a you know grandiose epic and and all that. So yeah, I don't know. He, he's capable of doing some stuff when he's reined in by by a studio that clearly cares about potentially making some money off something or, or it being more of a, a crowd pleaser or a mainstream hit than when he's left to to his own devices. But, but I also hate to be like, Oh yeah, I'll just let him make crowd pleasers and let the studios control him because that's usually not, not good for a director either. I mean,
2: Oh, I, I think, I think if he's left to his own devices, he would just make,
0: conspiracy theory movies forever. Yeah, that's true. We well, also did W. That's... You remember that? the the that George W. Bush yeah, thing. Yeah, with, uh, with Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin, yeah. Yep. I kind of like that movie. I mean, it's not memorable or great. I expected more from it, but... And the World Trade
2: Center with Nicolas Cage. Nicholas yeah, Cage? Is that him yeah. that made that? Did you do yeah. that
1: one?
0: Yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, the I mean, worst Nick thing yeah. about that one is it or... came out... It came out concurrent with uh, United 93, which was such a far more
1: oh my you know, god superior film, <laughs> a or, trillion you know. times better yeah
0: <laughs> well and, and a trillion times more effective too like i can't even watch that movie again as much as i love it but uh oh
1: World i Trade agree it's
0: sort of like the uh the sappy director for hire version of that movie you know it's a it's like a tv movie or something yeah. i it just didn't didn't do anything for me or or move me in any way especially considering so soon after the the actual events and yeah five years
1: was a little weird for all that like united 93 was a story that i could understand being told that you know stone's just Fair kind not, of a yeah. higher decorated de palma really i mean he's high more yeah. more of a catalog and and whatnot but i can see the similarities in terms of just how they present their films not not always how they look but in terms of focusing on the uh on the unsettling things a little too much sometimes
0: sure well getting back to you know this movie Scarface. Yeah. i you know that they i guess that's why they make for decent bedfellows as far as that goes um but here here's what i want to play you and i hope this comes through my mic okay and you just tell me in these first few seconds if you recognize this okay okay
1: okay so what do you call yourself huh como se llama? antonio montana and you? What you call yourself? Where would you learn to speak the English, Tony? Alright. Do you know that voice? At first I thought it was Dennis Franz, but I'm like, no, that'd be too young. It's Dennis Franz. Shut up, are you serious?
0: Yeah. Who's <laughs> not in this movie really? at all, but they just dubbed in his fucking voice first. Now, now Franz worked with uh, De Palma uh, on other things. I think he was in Dressed to Kill, maybe, if I'm okay. not mistaken, or... or... Yeah, so they <laughs>
2: Why couldn't they just get him to play exactly. the guy? <laughs> I don't know. I, I think
0: what happened is like this movie's got a lot of really shitty ADR if you if you watch it. I mean, like there's the yeah. there's uh, people aren't saying they're, you know their mouths aren't matching it and stuff and and the sound kind of comes in and out like somebody'll talk and you hear this big airy sound just with their dialogue and then they stop talking and then that that kind of I don't know how to describe it. I don't know all the technical I know what terms you mean. Yeah, technical guy. But yeah, but the like kind of air goes away and then it, it's it's quiet again, and you can just tell there was a lot of stuff added after the fact. And my only thought was maybe they didn't get the audio they needed, so you know those guys were gone and not available. So De Palma's like, you know, hey Franz, we're in the middle of making this movie, but can you do me a favor and just loop this dialogue real quick or something i I don't know but yeah uh, sure sure uh, wow i just thought that was funny and i I didn't catch it while i was watching it because they got some other guy talking yeah uh but (laughs) but when you just listen to that trailer by itself um i was like holy fuck is that dennis franz and then i (laughs) did a little bit of research and and there he is and i guess the the other guy in the interrogation room too has his voice dubbed over so but uh anyway getting back to the interrogation i think it's it's a Great scene, Pacino's super good in that. The the way he lays everything out. That line where he goes, "Where'd you get that scar eating pussy?" And he's like, "How'm I gonna get a scar like that eating pussy, mate?" Like, <laughs> 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 that's a that's a great line. <laughs> it
1: was.
0: Where yeah, we so I mean, yeah, okay. They're 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 on their way. You know, they 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 do that deal where um, Angel gets murdered. Pacino's been working for Frank Lopez for a little bit, and then Frank charges him. To go meet uh, this this cocaine kingpin um, in in I guess Colombia or Bolivia I think he goes to Bolivia uh, and that guy's name is Alejandro Sosa and um, during the meeting Omar who is uh, Fmer Abraham he's unhappy with uh, the fact that Tony's starting to kind of take all the take the lead on things and uh, you know trying to change how they do stuff and so. Alejandro tells them something like, why don't you guys come back tomorrow after you've talked to Frank? We'll figure all this out. And then he says, Tony, why don't you hang with me? So Omar goes into the helicopter, supposedly to go back home. And then you see them. Uh, they apparently they beat the shit out of him inside the helicopter because his face is all bloody and stuff. And then they throw him out of the helicopter. And then you find he's got a, a noose around his neck. And, and he, yeah. he hangs. and, and dies That was a there. cool shot, like you uh, said. Yeah. And messed And uh, now oof. Tony is, Tony's in with this, uh, this Kingpin and, uh, and that guy tells him, Hey, just never fuck me over and we'll work together for a long time and make a ton of money. And this is the beginning of Tony being the, uh, you know, the, the man Yeah. and he goes back home. He even takes over, over Frank's business and, and Frank tries to have him killed in a nightclub. Well,
2: Frank, Frank, Frank tries yeah. to fuck him over. And yeah. then that's when he decides to make his move on
0: Frank. Right. Well, he well first he goes after um, Elvira or Michelle Pfeiffer, and so Frank's like, "You're you're taking my girl. You're you're doing things you know without my authority. Uh, you know who the fuck do you think you are? I told you, you don't don't try to fuck me." And then Tony is blitzed out of his mind one night, and there's a bunch of hitmen in a club. They they shoot up the whole place trying to kill him, and then that's where the movie kind of turns into the second half thing of uh, Pacino being a gangster whatever. Right? I mean, he's obviously already a gangster. yeah, he's obviously already killed people, but this is now where he 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 murders Frank. Oh, I thought that scene was kind of cool too, where uh, he said, hey, call this number at three am or whatever. yeah, yep, and just say say it didn't it didn't work or, or whatever he tells it tells his guy to tell Frank, uh, which is what he does. and then that's how Pacino finds out that Frank is, is tried to have him killed or is dirty because when that guy calls and says, Whatever he says on the line, then then Frank makes some bucks up some excuse like he's talking to somebody else or saying right. something different, and then hangs up. And Pacino's like, "Who was that?" And he's like, "Ah, you know, nothing, nobody." And then he's like, "Oh, you're you're a piece of shit." And he he shoot. Well, he doesn't shoot him. He has Manny shoot him. But uh...
1: what's the name of the and actor then, yeah. who's the? Uh, I'm sorry. The, he's the he's the cop who's trying to get trying to get uh, kickback from or trying to get greased by Pacino.
0: Oh, yeah. I can't think of that actor's um, name,
1: but I've seen him in a ton of stuff. He's got Harris, a really cool voice. Harris Ulan. Harris Ulan. Okay. He was in Training Day, which I just watched a couple weeks ago.
0: <laughs> he's in uh, Multiplicity. He's the, the doctor who clones all the Michael Keatons. <laughs> if you remember that. I do. Yeah, we briefly and, uh, discussed that film.
2: It says here on his Wikipedia that he was in Ghostbusters 2.
0: Yeah, that I saw right. that. Yeah. Murder at 1600. He's good in there. Um, you're right, training day. He yeah, he always plays kind of this kind of wise, quiet um he's he's in a lot more TV stuff. I remember him in 24, I'm sure he was probably on NYPD Blue and some of those cop shows and stuff and you know, things like Frasier. Uh but yeah, he's he's a great actor and I always love it when he pops up and stuff. So, he's fun to. Is he still fun to with see, us? So. Uh, good question. Let me take a peek. Uh yeah. Yep, he was born in 37. Ooh, he's man. 86 years old. 6 Years active 80, uh, sorry, 63 through present. So still going. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's been good in a lot of stuff. Like I said, 24 is, he's had a great turn on that. And uh, I don't know why I remember him from multiplicity over a lot of those other things, but <laughs> probably because I've seen that movie <laughs> so many times. <laughs> um, Yeah. So from here, okay. Pacino is, he, he shoots Frank. Now he's taken over. Uh, he's working with uh, uh, Alejandro back in, in Bogota. Uh, who eventually he also fucks over and that's where he meets his demise. And he, yeah. Yeah. And then he got, got the guys coming out out of the woodwork for him. And so, yeah, are we skipping over? It anything? says,
2: it says here, it says the actor that portrays the assassin who kills Tony Montana, his, he was credited as the skull. Yep. Yeah. I, I never, I never, what I'll have to the uh, rewatch the credits. And, okay. Yeah. With the long, with the long hair, I think.
0: I remember it being so, kind of spiky. I don't know. So I'm trying to find it here, but I wrote something down about him because he looked like somebody. And then I went and, um.
1: It's like Harry, looked up to see Henry if were... Silva or Harry Silva.
0: Yes. The... Okay. That so that's it. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. I said it looks like a young uh, Henry Silva mm-hmm. and then I looked it up and ironically he has the the same last name, but they are not related. Oh wow well. <laughs> That's oh, fucking Yeah, it's nuts. Uh so so Gino Silva okay. portrays the assassin. It's like, well, Gino Silva must be Henry Silva's brother or whatever. Right. Doesn't it, like... nothing n- nothing about that? So then I Googled are uh Henry Silva and, and Gino Silva related? And and they're not, and this is a question people have asked. Before, um, wow. but yeah, he looks like a a greased you know, like a shoe-polished <laughs> greased hair version of yeah. <laughs> uh, Henry Silva. So, in case you know, Henry Silva is he's a bad guy in like Above the Law and a lot of those 80s like Code of Silence and
2: I think what else? He like a big kind of like a big meathead looking look. guy.
0: No, he's like older, but he yeah, he's got, got he's got like a long um, sort of. I don't know, man. You just I, I guess Google him. I don't know what
1: else to. His face looks like a mask almost hmm. to me. Like it's so it's so shaped, cra- crazy shaped head. Yeah, he's got kind of cool low voice. Yeah, he was a great villain. Gravelly voice 80s. um here, Henry So I think he
0: died recently. Yeah. He's a Dick Tracy, I
1: think also.
0: Yeah, he's almost yeah, got like a little is. bit of Asian kinda look to him, a little bit. And that's another reason mm-hmm. why he looks like this guy, but yeah, he doesn't have any siblings. Um he died in uh, two thousand twenty two. I think I kind of remember that, but okay. The
1: answer is no. Uh, the
0: the hotel room guy when they the guy who chainsaw's Angel was also in marked for death with Seagal, if you remember right at the beginning. He's like, "Give me some time to consider your proposition." And you know, he plays the oh. yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um now that I now that I've taken a look at him, now I can see why he would be the bad guy in all those 80s action movies he does. Yeah. Look at. Yeah. Yeah, if you watch Above the Law and Code of Silence, and I, I can't think of anything else off the top of my head, but I'm sure he's in like a fucking Delta Force movie or something like that. You know, he's just, he's one of those guys from from that time. But yeah, so talk about some of these lines, you know, I want what's coming to me, the world and everything in it. And it's like, this town is like a great big pussy just waiting to be fucked. Uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and by the time we get to that whole world is yours thing where he's just standing there and you hear that synth score popping that's kind of when this turns into a Miami Vice episode you know and it's it's that's not a knock it's just a observation uh, the, just the way the tone kind of changes halfway through this movie and obviously like we said this is pre Miami Vice but uh the the Rocky like you know push it to the limit song that they play during that montage of him yeah. slowly you know yeah. it's like the Montana age where he's <laughs>
1: yeah they're like exactly. the he bone. starts doing his yeah. own drugs, which is they, they there's some
0: lying early in the movie like you never get high in your own stash it's like rule number two or whatever that is and then of course that's exactly what he starts doing and it leads to his downfall but uh i'm ninety nine percent certain south Park used that uh push it to the limit song in one of their uh one of their parody <laughs> montages of something but
2: yeah I think they did that with uh in the episode where uh their uh
0: training in World of Warcraft, oh, yeah, maybe. Well, keep in mind, they did have that uh, their actual song they wrote called Montage, where they're like, <laughs> you know, it's it's all a we need a montage, even Rocky had a montage, show a lot of things happening, at yeah, yeah. So they had their own song that basically took that that whole thing, but yeah, I, I think they did use the push to the limit song at some point, but um and they you know they're talking about how there's like so much money coming in it can't be laundered they need to give the bank more time to hide it from the IRS and it's it's like the shit you see on narcos where you know Escobar had to bury hundreds of millions of dollars all over the jungle and shit just i mean just imagine getting to that point like at what point do you need to continue on with your business like if if you're at a point where you've got millions and millions of dollars and you're you're risking your life all the time you might get killed like just stop dude like you've like, like if say you make 10 right. million dollars like that's enough like just just go go live without yeah. all the the hassle and, yeah if you're alone, it, was about, yeah. it was about the power well oh, i know yeah because because that's how you get the women <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah first you, you get, get the, the money then you get the, power, <laughs> then you get the women <laughs> yeah um You yep. know, but yeah it's just i don't know why you
2: also also a, a funny a funny uh part that we haven't mentioned yet was when uh was when Manny he like sticks his tongue he like he he does the tongue flick oh, yeah. at all the the women like, the women the on the beach and, and, check it out and, and he, and, yeah and then he and then it, the the best part is when he goes up to the little kid and he's like hey he's like watch my friend he's going to stick his tongue out at this girl let's see what she does
0: <laughs> yeah like he just knows it's going to
1: And the moms just are yeah. interested too like like all of a sudden, you could just go up to a nice family, and yeah, that was funny. I that's a good segue for uh, Mr. Steven Bauer, because I wanted to touch on him for a second. I thought he was really good in this. I thought he was his character was a lot of fun, and uh, like he was kind of the not. I don't want to say the heart and soul of it, because that's really that's obviously Pacino. But there there was something about oh yeah, I've always like, liked that Bauer I really like.
2: He he just kind of he, he yeah, just always kind of seemed to be like go with the flow type kind of guy throughout the whole movie, you know. Yep, yeah.
1: yeah. always loyal. He's always, always down for whatever. Uh, I should
0: say always, but he's also <laughs> shit. He's also in Raising Cain, uh, a uh, diploma Palma film, like we mentioned. Um, but for kids of our age in say 1993 ish, uh, I remember him most from this movie called Snapdragon, which the only reason I gave a shit about her watch is because i promised a nude pamela anderson so i don't know if you guys remember snapdragon but <laughs> did did that it, I don't does she actually get nude yeah it's like one movie? of those dumb uh you know fucking things you'd see on on the blockbuster shelf uh with you know like shannon tweed made these kind of movies and stuff like that it's like one of those like one of those erotic thriller cop she's the i i don't know the, the but anyway, that's just one thing I, I, I remember him from. So
1: I remember this video. Uh, I remember this cover because it's got Chelsea yeah. Field on it from... Peter, I still Voice have the Scout. VHS copy of that movie somewhere. <laughs> now I remember that. <laughs> Do you really? Yeah.
0: He's also that's in Terminal uh, Voyage. Don't know what that is. Uh, Primal Fear. <laughs> um, that Primal Fear is a pretty good movie, but I'm not sure how big his role was in that. But, but yeah, he didn't really have quite the career he deserved I, I always thought he was good he's in traffic i think he's good in that from what i remember um
1: yeah he was on better call saul and maybe breaking bad but better call saul for sure he was on and he was really good yeah. on that
0: yeah playing a uh, drug lord of course <laughs> more interesting tv stuff i think than uh, maybe movies over the years so that's like a lot of these guys you know if they don't hit in movies then they go on to all these tv shows that you've kind of heard of and He's an American dad.
2: <laughs> really?
0: Wow. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, it's all shit like Blue Bloods and uh, Supergirl and NCIS and SWAT and the Blacklist. So, whatever. I mean, I'm glad he's still working. Burn notice, cold case.
1: <laughs> Man, yeah, steady steady work.
0: Okay, so getting back to things here, I guess we are kind of talking about uh, now that we're, we're towards the end here, Pacino is um, flaming out and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, I still don't know why he didn't just cut and run at some point, but I guess like you guys said, it's, it's about, it's about the power, but I would just take the millions and go, go live my life. But I guess that's the point. It's actually, you know, you you get addicted to the power and the greed and all that as much as anything else. And uh, I guess sooner or later, it's not about money, especially if you've got all the money in the world. I mean, the end of this movie is fucking ridiculous. Like he's, he's sitting in this hot tub surrounded by these huge pillars and, stuff it's like de palma really wants to sell the whole how he's he's got all this shit but he's actually alone you know there, there's that scene where right. michelle pfeiffer walks out and leaves him and he, he's Power's not like, you're subtle you're with crazy, the metaphor <laughs> no no and then they just show him sitting in his big hot tub uh, surrounded by all this gold shit and like i said these big uh like uh, roman coliseum pillars around him and stuff and it's so he's,
1: ridiculous. He's all alone. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. that hot tub is probably for like thirty people. I mean, yeah. It's bubbles everywhere, and the, and
2: the and the TV is still super small because it was the eighties, and
1: you know, like screen was still twenty-two
2: If they were to, if they were yeah. If they were to make that movie today, it, 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 it would be like a
0: like a movie screen, you know. Yeah, and like I said, you know, uh, this is also the point where he's becoming an Addict, and uh, I, I guess you know you got Michelle Pfeiffer, who I already said was kind of annoying in this movie, and and I get it. The point is she's an addict and she's emotionally damaged and uh, in this life and, and all that. It's hard to sympathize with her character when when she's mean and bitter from the jump. But I guess she's just supposed to be one of these people who is unhappy and got into drugs and and the fancy lifestyle because she thought it was gonna make her better, and that rarely happens. So. Who knows? Maybe maybe I'm not giving her enough credit for her performance or that character enough credit, but she's still a tough a tough watch in this, yeah. in this film. <laughs> um, that was a
1: pretty good scene with uh, where where I I guess you could say that was the end of their relationship was the, in that restaurant. That was like you could just you can just see Tony Montana just falling apart. Like all of his words don't mean shit. Like people are just right. like. She's just fucking done with him. Like,
0: yeah, yeah you he's can you want him. He is really good in this. I, I think, like I said, yeah. when, when he, at least when he wants to be, but I, I don't, I just, I don't get like, as soon as that, as soon as he starts doing drugs, it's almost like, it's not a hundred percent, but almost, it suggests like that. That's the reason for his downfall. It's not until he's completely down and out, getting thrown out of restaurants, constantly drunk or wasted or coked up that, mm. that the movie shows him fail. I mean, you know, he's, he's, he's driving around with like beers all over his dash. And, uh, you know, following that car, they put, put the bomb in, but there's kids in it and they weren't spo- you know, yeah. wasn't supposed to be there. And uh, that's, that's where this movie loses me. Um, his whole downfall is just, it's like, I don't know, it's like perfunctory and predictable and it's kind of silly. And by this point, Pacino's already become a caricature of the, the thing that we like in the beginning. And, and I get that that's the point, you know, he got too big for his britches or whatever, but he's just chewing more scenery and, um. I don't know. I I just think stone script, you know, it's just kind of it's just trying to like sprint to the finish. And so it decides like, okay, here we go. Like all kinds of crazy shit. Let's go. Let's go. Here's the action. Here's the 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 money shots. and, And let's get this fucking movie over with. And you spend two and a half hours or whatever building up to all this. And then it's just like he gets blown away in his fucking mansion. And we're supposed to be like, oh, that's that's the lesson. You know, it just doesn't. It doesn't work for me. I I really yeah. don't like the. Last it's it's
2: just hours. it's super it's super on the nose and that's yeah. the kind of the way with like all of De Palma's films. I feel like and that goes also goes uh, back to what we were saying with Oliver Stone. It's
0: the metaphors are not subtle. <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, but it's it's just like I I get the the lesson that they're trying to portray, and and I don't know that this movie could have ended in any other way. I mean, it, it's good that it you know, ultimately all his uh, excess and bravado and all that led to his downfall. But this, how the mighty have fallen shit and blaze of glory, you know,
1: finale and all that, it's still a sprint to the finish line. Here's a hypothetical question. Do you think, do you think the real badass Tony Montana would have not cared and just had that? guy killed with his kids or was he yeah he, was he a man of some principles no, I, I
2: i think he would have. he would have had the kids killed as well because i think that's ultimately what his downfall was was that he actually showed a little bit of humanity because yeah, if, yeah. if if he would have had them yeah. if he would have had that, that family killed then
0: they wouldn't have sent the you know the army after him I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like Tony had some, like, I don't think he gave a shit about drug dealers and I don't think he gave a shit about double crossing, you know, people or, or anything like that, but police or politicians or, but, you know, like, yeah, didn't give a yeah shit. but I think a lot of these drug dealers, a lot of these gangsters and particularly, uh, you know, Cubans and Mexicans and people who have strong family bonds. I, 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 do believe that they wouldn't want to blow up a bunch of innocent kids. Um, right. I also believe that because he's completely fucked up on Coke and whatever else that, you know, he's probably wrestling morally with some of this stuff that he maybe if he had a clearer head would have Yeah you know, been thinking
1: And I suppose yeah. he's business
0: minded about or, or something. I, I don't know.
1: But he's he's hyper protective of his sister. Yeah. To the point that he uh, that he <laughs> Kill Stephen Bauer. <laughs> yeah, that's unfortunate.
2: <laughs> but again, that's it's another true. thing in this movie. It's, where it's like, just like, okay, I guess that might have had some it's impact all if
1: you
0: didn't just like fucking shove it in in the last two minutes of the movie. Well, like, yes, <laughs> it's just...
1: yeah, this is like his, this is his Bud like from the yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, it was it was strange, you know. I you know I look at this movie in in three parts. Uh, to me, the first half was first third or whatever was super entertaining. I was really into it, and then I'd say the next, because it, it's about three hours, so we could sure. we could put it in hours too. But yeah. second hour was just was was dragging to me to the point where I remember pausing, and I was only an hour and fifteen minutes into the movie. I'm like, holy shit, dude, yeah. <laughs> this is gonna be a, a a fucking marathon. But as as you you have brought up some great points about the the way they kind of rushed to the end, but that it it, it was. It definitely picked up the pace of the movie, but yeah, sure. it it could have been done so much better, like you said. That's it was entertaining, sure, but at the, at the expense of just lazy. Well, it's just telling. weird
0: how long the first two hours. I, I don't even mean long. I, I think they're good. I think it's better than that last hour. But I, yeah. I, I it, it it's carefully taking its time, and then it's just like Tony totally, Montana, to, you know, fucking kingpin, uh, Miami Vice shit. Here we go, like bam, 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 and then it's like wait, what, huh? And it's like okay, I guess he's dead now, and we can yeah. all quote say hello to oh, my lady Oh by little the friend. way they were
1: going to get in, yeah <laughs> or by the way they got married the day before like oh okay well yeah. <laughs> that happened fast
0: <laughs> Yeah. Casey <laughs> thoughts <laughs> on the uh, on the rushed ending or disagree? Well, I don't know.
2: I I mean they they
0: do kind of allude
2: to it throughout the movie that um his he's got a thing for his sister so Yeah. You know, right. they, they don't act like, and then you see her, like, dancing with a guy in the in the club, and he yeah. freaks out, and so they have to keep their relationship on the DL, because they know how he's going to react.
0: Sure. True. Well, I, I think it's 100% intentional, like, everything they did. I don't think it's, like, a mistake. I don't think they were, like, ran out of money or time or something, they're like, okay, let's just rush this movie. I, I think that's, you know, I, I think it was supposed to be this epic downfall, which... I don't understand again, why uh, hip hop culture and whatever else embraces this so much. Like, I don't know why they just look at the first, like half of a movie and go like, Oh yeah, that's my boy or whatever. And then they, they completely don't, you know, take into account how this plays out for whether it's this or Henry Hill or right. Goodfellas or whatever it is. But, um, so I, I, I get the, the whole kind of blaze of glory thing. Like I said, is, is intentional. I just, it, it just feels like a weird way to wrap up a movie that until this point has spent two hours or two plus hours really trying to kind of follow this guy and and uh you know get get to what what makes him tick and it's like at a certain point they were just like well now we gotta we gotta bring it and and they just decided for the big action shootout finale way of wrapping up the film so that's that's my gripe with it i guess but but I don't know. People love it. What do I know?
2: Well, overall, I, I really, I really enjoy, enjoy it a lot. Just, yeah, it was. It's one it. of my. It's it's one of my classic 1980s movies. So yeah.
0: Yeah, it's undeniably you know compelling, and, and I, I was w- always wanted to see where it was going to go or, or what happened next, even though it, it, it really does go through some motions. Um, there's those iconic lines and images we were talking about, no doubt. So uh, it, it's just, it's kind of endless. Uh, you know, I pause it to go to the bathroom, and, you know, he's getting up from his desk to grab the bazooka for that sale <laughs> of My Little Friend climax, and there's yeah. still like 14 minutes left in the movie. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. Of it's him like, just it's, blowing it's, people away. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I, I which is fine. I, I like that in a movie that is about that. But this movie just feels like, you know, it it doesn't feel stupid long, but uh, it, it could have used some tightening. And I don't know, I don't I don't hate it or anything. And I I can like it in broad strokes or whatever. But um, as this iconic classic, I I, I don't know. I just it's weird what people kind of glom onto, and it's it's weird that it, um, I don't know. There there's a thousand movies like this. I just I, why this one. You know, I don't know. I think Pacino's great in it. I think uh, it it has a cool look and, and vibe that maybe was kind of original and different at the time. Uh, De Palma is trying to show off some stuff. Oliver Stone's script is definitely. I mean, this movie set a record for most fucks or something like that in a in a two hour movie or whatever it is. Or so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's over two hours, obviously, but but I think it's I think it's more than one per minute if you do the math. It's something like two hundred and. X amount of fucks, and and Uh. you divide that out about the runtime, and so. And I heard Martin Scorsese lapped it, or like doubled it, or something with Wolf of Wall Street. So, there you go. I guess Scorsese had to take that one from De Palma too. (laughs) The one up, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, we usually give a rating here, Peter. uh, What do you What do you rate this movie on a on a four star scale from?
1: I'm giving this a three star, uh, three stars, whereas you know. Yesterday it was still it was always a one star movie to me so i i was uh, i was pl- pleasantly surprised with with how it came out it, it is a it is a compelling entertaining movie like you said so that that gives it three for me Yep. Casey where do you where do you stand i'll, I'll give story?
2: it i'll give it three and a half i just i just really uh, like the 80s iconography and i just think that the the Florida shots are great and you know, the synth 80s, uh, score and the violence is over the top and awesome. And so I, I really like it and I'm not really a big, uh, De Palma fan, but I, I really do enjoy
0: this movie and I think it's his best movie. Yeah. I mean, I might agree with you on that. Um, yeah, I, am going to give it three, um, I don't know. It's like my idea of this movie is kind of like gangster movie meets 80s action. Like it's like Rambo Godfather or something to me. Right. It's, it's sure. Uh, yeah.
1: You know, I, I, I,
0: which I'm all for. I, you know, I, I'd like it better if the movie seemed to be a little more in on the joke. I think it clearly kind of fancies itself some important gangster epic and, and all that stuff. I, I It doesn't know if it wants to be like a cartoon or an action movie or like this this deep gangster thing and i think that's where i wrestled with it a little bit but yeah casey like you were saying and and peter too you know that i i kind of grew up not caring about it and i also got way more disinterested as it became more of this cultural touchstone for a lot of douchebags and stuff um but i was i was pleasantly surprised watching it now and uh, i yeah i can i can appreciate why people enjoy it it's not a perfect movie or anything but uh yeah I, i i think it's I think it's solid. I was, I was happy to watch it again. So, um, right all right, Casey, are you sticking around for sudden impact or? Uh, do you well, it?
2: I actually, I was going to tell you that, uh, I thought we were just doing Scarface, so I didn't watch sudden impact. So I don't think I will be, uh, sticking around for sudden oh, that's impact. That's fine. Although
0: every fucking time we talked about this, I wrote, we're also watching sudden impact. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you I, look at I, any of our, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: I, any of our I, I I probably
2: I just I'll, I just saw Scarface and I was like, oh, okay. I was like yeah. Scarface <laughs> it is. But yeah, but hey, yeah, but uh yeah. thanks thanks for having me on guys. Maybe uh we can uh no do this again not a year from now like, like we did oh, yeah. last time. Yeah.
0: Hey, look at the uh, 1984 calendar and let me know what you want to do because uh we're yeah. going to be looking at that too and I, I have no idea what's all even coming up other than some of the bigger ones. So, I mean, okay, you got fucking cool. Ghostbusters in there, Back to the Future, uh, what else came out in 84? Gremlins. really Hills Cop. I, those cop. I mean, those are, and those are just the big ones. Actually, through this podcast, we've discovered, and uh, Peter and I are going to count down our, our 10 favorite movies of, of the year, or of 83 coming up here in a week or two. And I have discovered more movies that I've never seen or heard of, or at least even gave the time of day that were completely fucking awesome. Uh, so there's going to probably be a lot of that shit in 84 too. So you can come on back. Cool. Anytime. All right. Well, Hey, we'll so. talk, talk to you later, guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks to Casey for hanging out with us on Scarface. Uh, our next movie is sudden impact again, Clint Eastwood. It's the fourth dirty Harry film. This is the first and only one of that series that he directed. Um, and like Scarface, it, it has kind of a funky, Early '80s score that I don't think I, I was surprised to hear both in a in a Dirty Harry movie and uh, just uh, I was surprised to hear it in Scarface too. Frankly, I, that's one of the the things I didn't recall about that right. movie from from watching it. Other than that, kind of when he's looking at the um, the globe that says the world is yours, is it zoom, 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 like I remember that, but I guess I didn't remember that the the whole movie has a has a score like that. And it actually, we didn't talk about it but uh we we probably should the the music is by uh Giorgio Moroder and uh he is i guess credited with inventing sort of modern dance synth music he was the first guy to uh, yeah wow. I, I forget exactly what i don't I don't know the ins and outs but he's he's kind of dubbed the father of disco and um he's credited with pioneering euro disco and, and EDM and all this stuff and it's something about how he set the an actual like metronome to the the synth and i i don't understand the ins and outs of it but anyway he's a pioneer and a a legend and all that and uh, i'm sorry we didn't really mention we did kind of talk about the 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 score but um yeah the score yeah but anyway and and to that extent again i think uh sudden impact if if nothing else other than opening on the exact same same weekend um does have kind of a kind of a funky score uh, that one though is done by, um, and I forgive me if I don't pronounce his name correctly, but Lalo Schifrin. I think I'm pretty sure he did all the Dirty Harrys. So, but yeah, it gets a little, little funkier with each one, and, and now we're fully into 1983 here. And like I said, he kind of kind of rivals Scarface with some of his sort of synth, and uh, I don't even know what you call that. I, I guess it's a drum machine making the sound, but that you know, yeah. that, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. <laughs> sort of, again, yep. Miami Vice type, type percussion, but anyway. Uh, so, alright. This movie is, like I said, number four in the Dirty Harry series. It's essentially about a woman who was raped along with her sister some years back and starts taking revenge. Uh, Harry is on the case. Harry's a San Francisco cop. He's breaking all the rules, and I want to talk about some of the stuff that happens in in the early part of this movie. But I'll just get through the plot real quick, because much like *Scarface*, I think the the front half of this movie is the is the best stuff. But um, anyway, so he's he's a San Francisco cop. Uh, he's arresting these guys and and they're hooked up with the mob and so now he's got all these these guys after him trying to kill him and they never kill him harry kills everybody else but causes a bunch of damage in the process and so the the, and so the chief is like get just get the fuck out of here and he's like no and like well fine go investigate this murder up in san paulo take a take a break get some beach air or whatever and he's like this is bullshit you got to be shitting me but then he goes up there and discovers there's this uh person uh, we we find out it's Sandra Locke and like i said her and her sister were raped some years back i think it's supposed to be 10 years ago by a group of people multiple yeah. different guys and now she's exacting her revenge um killing them one by one she shoots them in the dick and then in the the head or chest or whatever to, to finish them off and harry finds one or two of them and then realizes it's a pattern and uh yeah so really it just kind of goes from there but the the better stuff in this movie is within the first i don't know 10 15 minutes and all the dirty harry movies are kind of like this they're a little little episodic start they just show harry kind of doing things for a little while stuff that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the the overall plot
1: right this was my first time seeing it the whole way through um i had seen the uh the go ahead make my day part Uh, sure just on clips, but other than that, no, I, this is my first time, and to be honest i so I've now seen every dirty Harry movie, but Dirty Harry's the only one that I've seen multiple times. I might have seen Deadpool twice, but that was it. I don't remember much about Magnum Force or uh what's the other one um the enforcer something with a gun, oh the enforcer, yeah, never mind, so yeah. <laughs> I'd only yeah. seen those once, and I don't remember shit except, like, time dailies in one of them. That's the Enforcer, yeah. Uh,
0: my favorite one is Magnum Force, and this is another one of those situations where it's kind of like, okay, I recognize that Dirty Harry is maybe the the overall better movie or the classic or whatever, but if you're going to be like, hey, which one do you want to just throw on, it's mm-hmm. Magnum Force for me. Um, it's kind of a Die Hard 2, Lethal Weapon 2, Predator 2 sort of scenario where... Yeah. It's maybe the unpopular opinion, but I don't know what to tell you. It's the well, I'd like to see it now. It's those motorcycle cops that are kind of like a a subunit or gang within each other, and they're bumping off bad guys. You know, they're vigilantes essentially. Uh, And you know, the, the whole Dirty Harry series is this sort of quandary of, okay, Eastwood is a cop who is known for being overly you know, aggressive or whatever it is. And it's mm-hmm. not a popular He's thing cannon. in this. Yeah, it's not. But, yeah. but to a degree of, you know, he'll, he'll beat a suspect or shoot somebody in the, the uh, you know, public at large might go, yeah, great. Get, get rid of that scumbag murderer, drug dealer. You know, don't, mm-hmm. we don't need any, any trials or juries. Just, just get rid of them. Why waste the, the time and the taxpayers money or, or risk letting them go. But the series, I think, kind of wrestles with that, or at least early on in the idea that in the wake of all that, he became like this hero. And then Magnum forces this movie about a bunch of cops who sort of take up that mantle of, yeah, Harry, you should, you should come in with us because we're gonna, we're doing this, this right. We're going to actually just get rid of these guys and we're going to be judge, jury, and executioner. So these motorcycle cops who just bump off uh, mobsters and, and killers and rapists and murderers. Hmm. And Harry says, well... No, that's not what I do. Um, I'm, you know, I, I, I hate the system, but until somebody comes along with something else that makes sense, I'm gonna abide by it. And, you know, I only shoot people when they're shooting at me or something. And so, yeah, that part of it's interesting, but also it's just it's one of those movies that has just so many like great different little scenes going for it. it, it it's kind of scary in parts. There's there's things like this movie that don't even really have anything to do with the plot where you just see Harry doing some interesting shit and um, yeah. the, the movies are kind of funny where he can't even just go to lunch or
1: drive down the street without running into a bank robber or <laughs> I <love that> today. <laughs> <Like> a... <laughs> Yeah, there's at least two times in this that he just comes across a crime in progress <laughs> yeah
0: yeah the, yeah the first time in that diner which which is awesome and, and i was willing to accept as just a way to like set up this scene and uh, maybe that's just his venture of the the year or the decade or whatever it is uh you know, yeah you don't don't necessarily assume that he just keeps stumbling upon this stuff but then as soon as he gets to san paulo like literally he's driving into town and he comes across a guy robbing a bank and, and right. has to chase him and you know <laughs> hijack a bus and, and all this shit so uh yeah th- this is where this series is starting to get a little more cartoony um i don't, enforcer is the one i i don't want to say i like it the least but it's the one i've seen the least it's okay. the one that feels the longest it doesn't have as much like fun stuff going for it, it doesn't really have a huge satisfying uh, ending or villain it's kind of about these um, hippie revolutionaries they're gonna blow up whoever whatever kill, kill judges uh, I, I don't know I, I forget the whole plot of it but um, and, you know so so Harry has to stop those guys but that movie for whatever reason just isn't as uh, interesting to me as as Magnum Force in this one and, and like I said this one is starting to get a little more cartoony but I think yeah. it still holds together pretty well but yeah that, that first scene um, where he has to go to court and the guys get off because he didn't read him his rights or, you know, illegal search and seizure or whatever it was. And then he's walking out. And of course he ends up in the elevator with the, the three perpetrators that just got off yeah. and they're talking shit to him. And he grabs that one kid and he gives, I, I don't want to do it. Like, this is where I would like to splice in a clip because I, I, I'm not going to sound as intimidating or awesome as Clinton, that scene, but that's, uh, um, Amazing way to start your movie off. I could
1: look it up real quick. Um, I mean, while I'm looking yeah. that up, I do have a question and a statement. Actually, I'll make the statement first. We should watch Magnum Force as a bonus episode sometime because okay, that'd be I'm always down to see shit like that. And plus, yeah. any Clint movie is good for our. We can um, do and then...
0: Magnum Force and the Enforcer if you want. And then yeah, uh, there you go. Or, or we can do Dirty Harry and Magnum Force, but you know, Dirty Harry classic as it is and everything it's probably not as going to be as much fun to talk about. Um, right. You know, I, I love it, but if you've seen it a bunch
1: and yeah, no, I'm, I'd, I'd be down for the, uh, the middle too. Um, yeah. And then the, uh, my question. So this movie, Sandra lock is almost damn near a co-star. Like, I mean, she literally is a co-star, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she's, she's almost one B of, of, you know, in terms of story, yeah. None of the other screen, none of the other dirty, yeah, screen. Time, none of the other dirty Harry movies have something like this, right?
0: Well, Tyne Daly is his partner in um, the Enforcer, and they make a lot about you know him having a female partner and having to navigate that whole part of being more pro- progressive. And I mean, that's just sure. the movie's whole stock and trade. Hey Callahan, don't look so puked out. Up next time, fool. <laughs> to me,
2: you're nothing but dog shit. You understand? A lot of things can happen to dog shit. It can be scraped up with a shovel off the ground. It can dry up and blow away in the wind, or it can be stepped on and squashed. So take my advice. Be careful with the dog shit, you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's so good
0: <laughs> hopefully that
1: came through all right we'll, we'll have to see but
0: yeah it sounded okay yeah. and, sounded okay on my end but but yeah that's the the first scene where clint is like i'm back it's dirty hairy yeah. check me <laughs> out and, and that's super good he's got his vein bulging his head it doesn't it's not as much fun just listening to it too you got to kind of see him because his as usual, screen presence kind of makes yeah, all the like difference. Yeah, he's like a
1: foot taller but, than the dude. Uh, he grabs him by the tie and yanks him all across the elevator. It's, it's yeah. definitely worth...
0: And, you know, he's he looks well into his 50s yeah. or whatever in this movie. And, and this is that era of Bronson and these guys. And it didn't matter that you were maybe a little bit older or, you know, had some gray hair. You weren't built like Schwarzenegger or Stallone or something like that. Right. You could still be intimidating and a convincing action hero. And, and maybe even more so, there, there was a time where action heroes didn't have to... Be huge muscle men or or whatever and this movie's kind of right in the middle of all that and and so are a lot of those but it didn't stop guys like clinton bronson and norris and whoever from having having hit movies although maybe not to quite the same monetary level as stallone and Schwarzenegger, right but um but it's nice to see a guy like clint doing this and still being intimidating and I wouldn't want to fuck no. with them, even if I was that kid. Those kids are what, in their in their mid twenties or something like that. You know, they look yeah. young and and fit and whatever, but but you still wouldn't want to mess with old man Clinton. Well, you know? they
1: learned, they learned their lesson, didn't they?
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, they tried to. In another just sort of random scene, as he's having yes. a night out, they decide to attack him. Can you imagine if you got arrested? And would what what do you think you would do? Would you just Go look for that cop and try to run him off the road and and firebomb him and and,
1: and... uh, yeah, um, no, I would probably
0: maybe just be like, I won this one. Let's just stay away from it. Like, why are they even going back to?
1: (laughs) (laughs) They couldn't let it be. (laughs) Idiots.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's some silly stuff in this movie to be sure, but uh, it's stuff like that. Like, if you think about it, like, why would these people be doing this, and what would the point be, and how do you think they could get away with it? But or or why does Clint keep happening upon crimes, but. That's just the sort of thing you you take with a grain of salt in, in movies like this because it's a it's a means to an end it's a means to the the next action sequence. Now the next one I want to talk about, which is immediately after this, is Clint walks into his morning diner and uh, the, or I shouldn't say morning diner he walks into the diner he stops in every single morning grabs a paper gets his coffee uh, he even says later on the scene he's like I've been coming here for what does he say ten years or something and every morning something
1: like that yeah, she yeah. gives
0: me a a coffee, and Black. so, yeah. yeah. So he walks in, and and he's just he grabs his paper, and he's consumed with whatever he's reading. He sets his cup down. Uh, done this a million times. The girls there pouring the coffee, and then all of a sudden she starts dumping sugar in it, and but then she just like isn't stopping. She's just like pushing it and pushing it. And she's waiting for him to look up, and he's not looking up. And then the camera starts showing what's going on in the diner, and there are these guys who are all kind of sunglasses hats they look like thugs they're sitting there kind of at the tables with people holding them hostage clint's oblivious to all this just reading his paper um he grabs his coffee walks out still isn't giving it a second thought takes a sip realizes it's loaded with sugar spits it out turns around with a classic clint what the fuck look on his face and then he sees the uh, people are turning the signs around in the in the doors from open to closed and he knows something's up and these guys jump up and they're like, all right, everybody, you did really good with that cop. Now, look, give me all your wallets and shit like that. And then this one guy comes around the corner and then Clint's standing there from, you know, he came in through the back. And then the guy goes, what you looking at, pighead sucker?" Which I think is a great fucking line. And Clint goes, every day for the last 12 years I've been coming in here, Loretta gives me a coffee, black. Only today she gives me a coffee. It's got sugar in it, a lot of sugar. I hate sugar, and I just came back to complain. And then he's like, "Why don't you guys, uh, you know, drop your guns or, or whatever?" And, and he's like, "What are you talking about? Who is we, sucker?" And he goes, "Smith, Wesson, and me." <laughs> just pulls out his fucking gun and pulls it <laughs> And it's so good. And that that scene culminates in the the famous, you know, "Go ahead and make my day" line. And uh, goddamn, it's just one of my favorite favorite Clint Eastwood scenes. Like if if nothing else happened in this movie of any worth it's a three-star movie just because that, that, <laughs> Does that scene? Is, Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's yeah. pretty, it's pretty awesome. And, uh, and very memorable. And, you know, it, when you think about that line and and what it became, it's like, yeah, it's kind of corny and obviously it became uh, overplayed as hell, but, but in, in yeah, that I'll be moment, back
0: all that. Yep. yeah, Yeah. Like, yeah,
1: you know. exactly. I think like Reagan used, uh, go ahead and make my yeah. day in some sort of like budget discussion, and everyone's yeah. like, "Fuck yeah!" yeah. <laughs> like, all right, now we've t- <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, he was now also like, uh, "Born in the USA" is my anthem, or whatever. Like, <laughs> right? You guys are so clueless; you don't even know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Well, it is weird yeah. in this movie though, because like he, they, it's almost like they knew they had that line because it does come back in the end, and I think much less successfully. They should have just left it out, right? But but they they knew they were onto something there when like i said they repeat it it's not something he said in any of the other movies it's not wouldn't normally be worth repeating you know but uh, yeah they they obviously knew what they they had there i don't think that's a bad line i like the the build-up to it a little better i like that yes. Smith, wesson and me line um yeah and just some of the other shit he's like saying to those guys but uh, but yeah make my I, it, again you know it stops the camera zooms in on him and <laughs> and his gun in mm-hmm. the in the foreground and I, I think they knew exactly what they were doing with that. I, I, I think it was maybe even a conscious effort to give Dirty Harry a, uh, you know, Stallone esque or or whatever. Uh, a catchphrase or something. Yeah, yeah. Catchphrase, yeah. something they could put in the. But I don't think he says it in the Deadpool. So I, you
1: know, they they obviously
0: didn't run with it too hard. So that's one thing, I guess.
1: Yeah, it's weird to think that he. So you said that. He, this is the only one he directed like Deadpool he yeah. didn't even do nope wow Deadpool I know discussed was how rare it is I guess it's if it's no well we, we discussed how rare it is that he's done movies that that he wasn't the director like especially since well
0: once you know, he started yeah. yeah yeah exactly um yeah he, but Eastwood's always been a fan of kind of giving others their their due or whatever so I think by the time he got to the Deadpool he let um, the director of that was Buddy Van Horn, if I'm not mistaken, who I think directed okay. one or two other Clints, maybe like Pink Cadillac or something like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But so, you know, he would, he would, he would throw his second director or assistant director or whatever a bone and and let them do sure. stuff sometimes. And I think that's maybe what happened there. But yeah, moving forward, pretty much after this movie, he directs, I think, everything. I mean, uh, with with very few exceptions, you know, in the line of. Uh, fire he does not um
1: is that wolfgang peterson
0: that's wolfgang peterson yeah
1: and okay who directs i know this isn't an eastwood movie but who does the fugitive then if wolfgang does that who does well the the fugitive is andrew davis andrew davis okay yeah but
0: you're thinking of air force one which is harrison ford from four years later
1: that no oh yeah no i'm saying i get i get the yeah. Oh, you get the fugitive and of Fire. Yeah, I get, Andrew, and Davis. I get uh, Andrew Davis and Wolfgang Peterson mixed up sort of like in terms of because I think Andrew Davis is the name of the guy in Dirty Harry that like one of the main the main bad guy in that movie like the, the
0: Andrew Robinson.
1: Red... That's right. That's right. Okay. Thank that's you for getting. and, and back he was down in
0: there. uh yeah. he was in Cobra, which we
1: Did we talk Cobra? about yep. Cobra?
0: Did we do we, Cobra we as a it...
1: No, he, uh, I had told you I had breaking news at the beginning of a podcast, and it was that I had uh, watched Cobra okay. for the first time. Right. We so we talked, talked about it. For yep, about that's right. Five or 10 minutes. Yeah.
0: Ago. Yeah. So he was in And I mentioned how Rennie Santoni, who is Cobra's partner, and Cobra is essentially playing in, uh, Dirty Harry, um, was yeah. Dirty, the original partner of, of Dirty partner. Harry. Yep. Yep. And then uh, Andrew Robinson was the Night Stalker or slasher, or whatever, in. Uh,
1: that's right. That's right. Dirty
0: Harry and no, wait, Nights Night no. Slasher was in Cobra. But anyway, he was Scorpio. Cobra, Scorpio yeah. was the name of the bad guy in Dirty Harry.
1: Scorpios. H- yeah. that's
0: right. So he was that, and now he's the the lieutenant. So yeah, it had a lot of Dirty Harry crossover besides just being a Dirty Harry ripoff, but. And a good one at that. Okay. At but uh, Buddy Van Horn, director of The Deadpool, was an American stunt coordinator. He died in uh, 2021. I guess I kind of this. He directed the Clint Eastwood films Any Which Way You Can, The Deadpool, and Pink Cadillac, a longtime stunt double for Eastwood. He was credited as a stunt coordinator oh, on wow. Eastwood's films from 1972 to, th- to 2011 and the second unit director on Magnum Force and The Rookie. So you have seen his. Uh, his name many a time on many Eastwood film. Okay. Um, he stood in for him in movies like High Plains Drifter. Um, yeah. He died at the age of 92. All these guys, I don't know what the hell is in their uh, porridge, but Eastwood's Jeez, 94, yeah. 92. Even um, who's the guy from The Good and the Bad and the Ugly who who uh, died a couple of years ago? Uh, Eli Wallach. You know he was.
1: Oh, Eli Wallach. Uh, hanging yeah. Out
0: with Clint. The Clint put him in uh, Mystic River in a bit part and stuff like that. So. Yeah, they all they all made it a good long way. Well into their late eighties, early nineties. So uh, hang around Clint Eastwood, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> hang
1: out at the Mel Paso studios. <laughs>
0: Might just be the ticket. I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: if we ever write a movie about some kid who gets uh, you know, some like dreamland ticket to the fountain of <laughs> youth or whatever it can be at Mel Paso. <laughs> That's a stupid idea. Let's not do that. Nobody's gonna see that. <No>. All right. So what we are talking um, about so we're talking about uh how we got on Buddy Van Horn. Uh, Eastwood directed this one. It's the only yeah. one he's directed of the of the Dirty Harry series, but yes, moving forward from this he directs most of his uh, I think Pale Riders is his next one in 85. It's a western. He does that and you get into Bird and the Rookie and all that stuff. White Hunter blackheart So, yeah, he's he's a director moving forward for sure. Right. Okay. Uh yeah, so that's a great scene in the diner. Um that I don't know, that begets another fight with his chief telling him you can't just be fucking going out <laughs> shooting everybody. And, and of course he's like, listen, I you know, I save those people or I never shot anybody who doesn't shot at me. And they're like, Okay, well we can't can't bust you for anything technically, but just go take a vacation. And that leads him to San Paulo. Mm-hmm. And once again, there there are several murders as uh Sandra Locke is taking revenge for the rape of her and her sister from ten years earlier and that's yeah that's basically it this movie is uh i would say not um uh it's not politically correct there's a lot of shit in here about you know there's some ugly rape stuff there's women getting punched in the face you yeah. know it, it kind of goes for a little bit and it's a little weird that nowadays if a movie like this came out it'd be viewed as some sort of like oh man that director really took some you know took some risk or really wanted us to Feel this shit, and back in 1983, movies like this and we've, Death Wish we've 2, seen and ten of them. Yeah, now. it's yeah. just it's just fucking nuts. Yeah. This one is a little bad. Like I don't I don't think this one fetishizes it as much or sexualizes it as much. Like it it wants you to find it off putting, but at, at the same time, yeah. it's not like Death Wish 2, which Death Wish 2 is like, yeah, this is ugly and gross, and I mean it is. I was like, oh, this is disgusting. But they're also like, well, just look at this maid naked for five minutes while this all happens you know this movie isn't really quite on that level (laughs) right um so yeah i i I don't know it's definitely not some super serious allegory about rape revenge violence it's just a it's just a thing to hang a a dirty hairy story on and, and it makes plenty of time for clint you know doing funny stupid shit his, his partner shows up and at first we're supposed to think it's like a hitman who's there to kill him but then it's actually his buddy and then he leaves a dog for yeah. him that now clint's got to deal with this fucking dog you, you know just and then, and then he starts a little romantic relationship with with Sandra Locke, which is is mostly played for the mystery angle of things but also he's of course got to have dumb encounters with her and silly one-liners and stuff like that and um, it's a weird movie man i don't know it, it's like it it's 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 serious and off-putting in in some respects and it's cliched and silly and dumb in others and um yeah it i don't know I, I like it for that reason i think it's it's an interesting sort of curio in the eastwood filmography but uh i can see how people might have been not really know what to make of it or, or think of it at the time sure
1: so. it's quite brutal too like just uh, even not even just the, the rape scene but yeah, just some of the some of the shootings are, are uh, it's there's some good gore, not gore, but there's some good some good headshots and like uh, yeah, it's the guy was sitting behind the board or like hiding behind a board gets shot through the board and then just gets blasted through the head. I'm like, fuck yeah!
0: <laughs> yeah, Eastwood as a director is always, I mean, his whole thing is not flashy and and subtle and whatever, but. Every once in a while, he comes up with a real uh, a real doozy. And then the other funny thing about this movie, too, is it's it's shot so darkly, like a lot of his movies are. So oh, yeah. a lot of the action scenes take place at night. A lot of the more brutal stuff where people are getting punched or raped. It, the, the camera's moving around. The people are moving around. Things are obscuring the shot. It's it's drably lit. Uh, so it, it gives you a little bit of release in that way. And, and not only that, but then I think also that kind of ramps up the tension because you're like, oh, what are what's going to happen? What are we going to see? Or, or there's this urgency because things are so hustle and bustly and flying in front of the camera and stuff like that. And I think that's to his credit as a director, he knows how to, how to work that. And then people might walk away going like, well, that, you know, that didn't really hit me or or there, there wasn't a whole lot of director flair or style there, but I think it's more effective sometimes to not have to shove it in your face and make you wonder what you're going to see or what's going to
1: happen or
0: know what i mean i don't know <laughs> oh
1: absolutely yeah no, I, was, <laughs> I was letting you finish No, uh, i know i, no, I, I totally agree it, yeah. it uh it there's a lot of i don't want to say it, it. they're indistinguishable but yeah there's these classic these classic shots of of eastwood movies like there's uh stuff in here that could have easily been in in the original dirty harry or the or the rookie uh or the rookie or yeah. yeah, or, um, the gauntlet. Yeah. Like there's a lot of, there was like a lot, a lot of night shots in that. And just like, there's kind of this, this look, especially to those seventies and eighties ones
0: that, yeah.
1: That, uh, even uh, there was a scene I wanted to ask you about. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't want to say it's a subplot, but it's kind of leading to the next thing, but he's, he's, uh, he goes to the, The wedding of a a crime lord's (laughs) daughter. Yeah. And, uh, and, and fucks with the guy because he, he can't stand this guy. He hates him. He wants to, he wants to bring him down and he's basically trying to intimidate him at his daughter's wedding. Well, he tells his captain, Um, he's like,
0: I'm on the, I'm investigating a murder. This is what you do or what I do. Yeah. So, right. He's on a case. It's, it's, it's his case.
1: Oh, that's true. He is on a case. Um, of scotch. But he, uh, So, That's a Lethal Weapon The guy combat. ends up... Oh, sorry. I missed it. <laughs> <laughs> do
0: you remember when they're in the water after the big emotional, like, what am I going to do when you retire? And, and then they punch each other, fall in the water, and the cops pull up and shine a light on them. They're like, what are you boys doing down there? And they flash their badges. Like, we're LHBD. And they're like, Get... we're in the middle of a case of scotch. <laughs> scotch, yes. yes.
1: <laughs> I do remember that now. All right. That was worth that. Okay. <clears> okay. <throat>
0: Your question Sorry. or or statement.
1: My question, is... <laughs> yeah. All all of that. So they go. The crime lord dies yeah. of a heart attack. Uh-huh. Um, he has some cronies who attack attack uh, Clint East, what is he's. What I thought was he's leaving the police station. He's getting like, first of all, this car drives Adam in, in the most deliberate fashion possible. Yeah. Jumps a curb, wasn't that, which they didn't even have yeah. to do.
0: They were, they could have just <laughs> like continued on his straight right. path.
1: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what they were, who was driving. <laughs> uh, but anyways, isn't this outside of the police station? Isn't he leaving work for the night or is he at a different, where was he? Uh,
0: well, yeah so where are all I, the other
1: cops i guess did that kind of scene question. happen
0: right after he was getting chewed out by the um the lieutenant and everything and they're like you you killed him at his daughter's wedding or whatever and he's like oh. yeah so <laughs> that's when those guys came after him just when he's leaving the police station
1: yeah yeah i don't know oh so maybe it was like city hall or something where there's less police presence or something it was that was what I was gonna ask. Is like if this is outside of a police station, aren't, is anybody hearing all these shots? Because they're shooting a, they think he's hiding in a, in a box or whatever along this bridge, and they yeah he's actually shoot it about 150 awesome. times yeah Yep.
0: yeah that's smart. He knew they'd he'd, they'd think he went to the big one, not the little one. So yep. good for Clint. Dirty yeah. Harry's always one step ahead. Um, <laughs> so yeah, the this movie has a lot of kind of like, hey, look at that guy's Pat Hingle. Is the uh, yep. police chief of this small town in uh, San Paulo, and um, turns out he has a connection to the killer. His son, who is what, what exactly? He's what happened to him? He, he's paralyzed, or
1: yeah, apparently he. Hingle explained. He tried to kill MAD himself, felt,
0: right?
1: Yeah, tried to kill himself because he felt yeah. so bad about what had happened. So it's probably good Sandra didn't shoot him. <laughs> I like how the bad guys, the, all the rapists have, like, there's just zero, what's the word? There's zero doubt they're just pigs. Like, they're just the most disgusting, vile people at all times. Of course, yeah. they're still hanging in bars and being gross. And
0: Well, there's uh, Audrey J. Neenan, uh, who is the, the yeah. female rapist, I guess, in, in this movie. Um, she's been in, in other Eastwood movies and, and probably seen her in... Uh... Let's see. She's in Funny Farm. She's in the Departed. Yeah, the Departed. Yeah, I
1: remember in Funny Farm. I remember her in the Departed. Nicholson says says something cruel to her if I remember correctly.
0: Yeah, I guess she hasn't been in other Eastwood movies. Um, I thought she was in something else in one of his '70s films, but I guess not. Uh, a couple of the other people though definitely have been. Uh, Jack Jack Thibu. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it. Uh, but he was in a couple of uh. Eastwood movies. He was in, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Any Which Way You Can. Yeah, he's also in 48 Hours. Uh, he was in City Heat, which is an Eastwood movie. Uh, he's in Lethal Weapon.
1: Oh, that's the one I was. Yeah, that's the one I was thinking of. He's the, he's the cop who or he's the detective who says something like, you know what yeah. I did last night? I, I <laughs> cried, I cried in bed or something like that. The so. main scuzzball. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah,
0: that I guy. Played
1: everything to a ten. Paul Drake is his name. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Mick. Mick is a total fucking skis ball in this movie. and it's Yeah. Did not like that guy.
0: No. Hold on a fucking second. I'm sorry. I'm still trying to figure out where I've, but I... I'm guaranteed. I think he's he's got to at least be the bad guy in um, High Plains Drifter, because that's pretty much what I... Ugh.
1: Are you thinking of Jeffrey Lewis?
0: I huh? am thinking of Jeffrey Lewis. Yep yeah that guy man what a face that
1: guy what a, I know. What a
0: sparkling blue eyes oh man he high really is drifter he's really in some uh, eastwood shit
1: he's in a ton of shit
0: every which way but loose any which way you can thunderbolt and lightfoot double impact that's right he's the the van damme's like uncle or whatever high plains drifter <laughs> lawnmower man Salem's Lot. The
1: Van Dams.
0: (laughs) Pink Cadillac. Yeah, because that's their... Oh, he's in Tango and Cash. That's right. He's like, you dress like a banker. You make a ton of money. (laughs) (laughs) Action. Good old American action. Uh, Maverick, he's in. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. That's an Eastman movie. Man, dude. dude. Wow. That's the guy I was thinking of. I don't know why I thought he was in this movie, too. But anyway, that was a long way around to discover something that... (laughs) Completely unnecessary, but I'm glad we got to give Jeffrey Lewis his due. I love that guy.
1: Exactly. Shout out.
0: Shout out to Jeffrey Lewis. Lewis. Okay, so where are we at in in this movie now? It's it's 9:52. Let's Mm. keep this moving along.
1: I think we both are are agreeing
0: that we enjoy this film. Uh, it's got some classic Clint lines. Lots of fucking shoot 'em up shit. It's a little, uh, you know, over the top with I think subject matter, but that said, they didn't used to shy away from making movies like this and i'm not necessarily encouraging turning this kind of thing into a you know i I don't think it's like tries to be like titillating or anything i think it's it's trying to take the rape stuff seriously even though it realizes okay maybe it's in the middle of this generic cop action movie or whatever yeah
1: it could have did without the like five flashbacks of it like we like they well each guy she kills on on her eyes yeah it's like the kill bill like flashback to her wedding or you know like we just keep going back to it. but
0: yeah but think about it this way too like if you made a a easier movie Mm -hmm. maybe nobody would care and it's not like people are sitting here watching this 40 years later necessarily just like this movie doesn't have a lot of like renown or or uh, you know nobody, no, nobody's going happen. back and going like oh you know what fucking clinica movie is crazy uh, but i think if you do watch a bunch of, if 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 you are somebody who's like a move to go watch all the clinica movies or even all the dirty harry's or, or whatever it is mm-hmm. movies like this are going to stand out a little more and this is when you get guys like tarantino or whoever else talking about like man it was crazy if you put a like mainstream movie out there but then it's got this sort of subject matter like that shit was ahead of its time or that shit was, right. was bucking the, the trend or they they were trying to sort of funnel something in underneath the social auspice of like a, a, a big action movie, <laughs> you know, whatever. So I'm, I'm just saying, I think, I think there's an argument to be made that it's a, it's maybe a more interesting movie looking back. Or if people do decide to look back, I think they might be like, whoa, that was the one kind of, Maybe not just the one, but that was one of the kind of crazy ones, or one of the ones that stood out more, or one we can't believe got off the right. ground, or, or was a thing that people just watched.
1: Yeah, I agree. It. Uh,
0: Sorry about all that it, it, fucking...
1: No, that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it, it checks it checks the boxes of, of entertainment, and, uh, you know, I... I can't fault like it it was it was an eastwood directed it felt it felt comforting like uh yeah like a good pillow you know you get your eastwood shots you get your clint squints you get your uh your goofy you know his his one-liners are great the harry callahan character is awesome so
0: we also uh shout out to jamf as a Thing I <laughs>
1: yes <laughs> I did not know that was a thing until today. So
0: really, I I used to call Olivia that all the time, and she's
1: obviously like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I must I must have watched this movie once when she was what I don't remember what age I started saying that to her, maybe like six or something. So go back, I guess eight years is maybe the last time I watched this, and that's okay. That was my big takeaway was that was a funny thing to call somebody, and I, I don't remember what I was saying to her, but. One day I just kind of let it slip, and then I started just kind of doing that to her, just to I don't know, just because it was funny. Yeah, I, she had no idea what it meant. <laughs> but
1: I might take it for a test spin with some with some people I talk shit to. So. Yeah. Be like. Just see how much ridicule I get for it.
0: Come on, <laughs> champs! You gotta. Well, what would be funny is if they were all like, "Why are you using 1983 slang?" They're to... <laughs> <laughs> like, "Yeah, we know that."
1: Because. Word well let me tell you why because there's a podcast <laughs> called the paper
0: have you listened to it you should subscribe yeah. <laughs> exactly
1: all right um, Peter. So i don't think I, there's
0: more we need to say about this movie do we um yeah, I, I
1: three stars uh yeah uh, i'll go
0: three I, I mean man i'm tempted to just say because of those couple classic lines and, and i do really like the way this movie kind of gets under my skin a little bit too it's a, uh, you know some of the Like you said, more harrowing scenes or whatever are are pretty serious. Uh, I just wish, yeah, I could have done it without the stuff like uh, him driving to town and having to bust a bank driver just because this movie needs an action scene every five seconds. Uh, Or, (laughs) (laughs) um, you know, like you were saying, the dumb shit with the the mobsters that are after him or how those kids come back to get him. It's just like, you cut all that out. You have not only a tighter movie, but one that doesn't seem quite as silly, especially when it's trying to uh, position itself as... And again, maybe back in 1983, they were not like, oh, we're a serious rape film. But now you watch this movie and you're like, okay, well, it's dealing with rape. You should like treat it fairly respectfully. And and um, right. And I'm not saying having a scene where some fucking kids try to pull shit is uh, un- or disrespectful to the overall plot. I'm just saying, if you want to you can't have your cake and you eat it too when you're like, I want to be a, a, a generic cop thriller, but I also want to dip my toe into something, you know, maybe more profound than that but again in in 83 they they probably didn't really feel that way about it so so i don't know but all right anyway yeah three stars um but with with the caveat that the the couple great scenes in here and lines and stuff would would push it higher for me i would tell people to watch this one before certain other movies not because i think it's necessarily a better movie but i'm like if you want to get the whole like clint thing there's so much in this movie that is just great about him so
1: would uh should i do the i can do the box office because it'll also tell what you know the movies we did today
0: yeah they both came out on the are, same day so. december 9th uh, same weekend Yep. i know that well i know these are the one and two movies just because yes and here's why i remember reading that scarface opened number two to sudden impact so Sudden Impact's number one, Scarface is number two. What are their yep. grosses?
1: They uh Sudden Impact made 9.6 million dollars. Okay. And uh Scarface, Scarface like 4.5 or something. 4.597, so almost 4.6. Yeah. Um Sudden Impact went on to make sixty seven million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um and Scarface uh forty four million, which is yeah, that's still pretty respectful, and you would think dvd sales and all oh that i mean shit. yeah was... that movie
0: is way yeah. in the black at this point but yeah back then i think it was considered yeah. kind of a flop or a bomb and maybe yeah. not necessarily uh, just on box office because um I, I think its budget was kind of high so i think that was considered a disappointment but um it didn't get a lot of good critical notices we didn't really talk about this with casey or, or during that episode but um that movie is not well received uh, it, it... right didn't kill at the box office. It got mostly bad reviews from critics and it's more it's one of those on reappraisal the movie's gotten bigger and better. And I was gonna say at the end of the when we do our our ten best or end of the year or whatever you want to call it episode, I did save the the ranking of back when we remember we did terms of endearment, I found out it was the number two money grocer of oh, the yes. year. So I Google, I was like, What yeah. are the uh you know how what are the rankings exactly? Um, yeah. so I've got the top 20 or something like that, that we can go through when we, but I'll, okay. I'll put it this way. Sudden impact is, is fairly high on there. So they're the terms of endearment and return of the Jedi were the only movies that made over a hundred million dollars that year. And, and sudden impact that's did crazy. 68 or whatever. So 60, it, yeah. it's, it's a top yeah. 10 movie of, uh, of
1: 1983,
0: but, but anyway, so that's one and two. Uh, Okay. What's number three?
1: Number three is, in 685 more theaters this week um it's in its third week of release we did it for the pod
0: three weeks ago we
1: made a it's
0: growing oh yeah. this would be a christmas story no nope. oh okay
1: nope. that was number uh, one last y- week i think i think so yeah
0: okay so or
1: whenever we did the
0: well it didn't open number one but it went to number one the following week or two or something i don't know whatever okay so number three is not a christmas story it's i don't um, it's
1: uh it's at 14 million dollars after this weekend
0: how many weeks in really make a
1: lot of money third
0: oh terms of endearment
1: yep okay um number four is also new this week um i believe it's a stephen king thing
0: perhaps Mm.
1: really Maybe not. I could be totally wrong. Well, um,
0: new this week. It's uh didn't do it for yep. the pod, obviously. Did we talk right. about doing it for the pod?
1: No, nope. not that I remember. I think these were such, um, bona fide hits that we'd had to do those two. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm trying to think what else I think it's a horror that.
1: movie, and I. But I don't know if it's Stephen King, and I don't want to lose my <laughs> my website. Here. Well, you got
0: to give me something more about it. Um, All right, director. it's about a car. Oh, is this Christine?
1: Is This Christine. It is
0: a Stephen King, and it's John okay.
1: Carpenter's. Oh, he directs it. Christine,
0: yeah.
1: Okay, made uh, four million, or I'm sorry, three point four million, and went on to make uh, four or twenty one million total. Uh, number five is a movie that sounds terrible. It, I think we mentioned it the last time. It's in its fourth week. Um, it has Barbara Streisand in it. Yentl? Yep.
0: Yeah, why didn't we do that one?
1: On... <laughs> I don't know. But went on to make $39 million somehow at the freaking box office.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that was a fairly... I mean, I remember always hearing about them. I don't know if it's just because I remember commercials and stuff or if I actually remember people talking about it, but... Uh, yeah. I, there, there must be a reason. I remember the name Yentel. Maybe it's just one of those names that sticks out. You're like Yentel. That's a What right. was that? <laughs>
1: All right. Number six is uh, in its fourth week of release. It's an MGM film.
0: Fourth week of am... release. MGM.
1: Yep. Do we do it on the we pod? Did it for the pod. Yep. All right. We're backing up
0: four weeks. Uh... Yeah, you guessed it before.
1: It's down 70% this oh, week. Oh yeah,
0: that would be the Christmas rate. How's it down? That's cr-
1: I don't know, right? It's, <laughs> it only made $20 million in the box office. And uh, I think it must be already, unless it has a big run in December. But Well,
0: it talked now about... It
1: too good right now.
0: At the time, how it, it played into january on just like a 100 screens or something like that but yeah i think yeah at that point yeah it was not a not a big hit it only did like 20 and uh, i don't think it even hit 20 It's 19 something and um it really didn't take off until video and tv and stuff but
1: no um number seven we did for the pod it is in its 11th week
0: whoa
1: um it is an ensemble
0: oh the big chill
1: Yep. It's uh it made one point one million dollars this weekend. Yeah, after eleven down. weeks. That's
0: all right. Yeah. It's already at what, like forty something.
1: You're right. It's at uh yes. Good job. Yeah. 40, 40 million, exactly.
2: Hmm.
1: Um number eight, I almost just said the name of it. Uh it is in its tenth week of release. It only made six hundred and sixty six thousand. Oh no. Uh, Down 50% from last week.
0: Did we do it? 226
1: less theaters. Yep, we did it for the pod. It is an action film. What week is it in? It is uh, 11th.
0: Um, Never Say Never Again.
1: Yep. Nicely done.
0: That's weird. That's in its 11th week, and The Big Chill's in its 11th week.
1: I was wrong. Big chill is in its 11th. Never say never again is in its 10th week. Okay. I was going to say, I knew those were different episodes. Okay. Yeah. Another film, which is probably going to be number one on our 1983 list because we keep talking about it.
0: <laughs> um,
1: it's become just a joke at this point. Mr. Mom? I made six. Uh, no, no. It's, oh. uh, Flash Flashdance. Oh, the Smurfs. No. Yes. Ah! Fucking movie that never did. We
0: never saw it though. We didn't do it for the pod. We can't put no. it on our list. I know. A, I know
1: a, it was a joke. It's an eighty three <laughs>
0: pod viewing only
1: list. Right. Um at number ten is a movie we did for the pod. It's in its eighth week. It was only a four hundred and forty thousand, made seventeen million. It's a teen uh drama.
0: All the right moves.
1: I would say, there you go. All Nicely right. done, Ron. Oh,
0: yeah, well, I Keep mean, that I that in
1: the ball. Not
0: really. I skipped over some obvious ones, like the Smurfs, and
1: almost missed almost
0: missed a Christmas story until you said I guessed it. So I don't know. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, well, Peter, I really hope that um, that whole Scarface thing isn't fucked up, and like Casey's entire dialogue is nowhere to be found. But
1: <laughs> yeah, that would, that would suck. Hopefully, it I can mean, be...
0: can you imagine in the editing?
1: process for that i know i know
0: trying to just like cut him out like here's what we'll do we'll just yeah. pretend he's not here like let me chop out any reference to casey and
1: <laughs> yeah the editing would suck ass too.
0: <laughs> i would do it though do you, peter you want to know have, why because i know
1: you would because you you do it for, it. for the pod yeah
0: i'm gonna write a song exactly called for our... do, it for the pod.
1: <laughs> do it for the pod it'll be
0: like my benefit single when i'm Dead from fucking carpal tunnel or whatever I'm gonna get from editing this show.
1: Exactly. Um our our best of is in two weeks, I believe.
0: Uh we have one
1: next week or something.
0: Good question. We we have a couple options. Um okay. we might have to record this episode.
1: <laughs> record yeah, that's, that's a possibility. <laughs> yeah.
0: No. Um or we pick a couple of those. Ones we've wanted kind of from the end of the year and Mm -hmm. knock a couple of those out. Even we could even do like three of them if we think we're not going to have a whole lot to say and just kind of run through them. Because I thought there were a bunch that we thought we were talking like we wanted to see. Off the top of my head, I remember BMX Bandits. uh, Oh, uh, a TC cab driver. Yeah. Truck, DC cab. Truck, yeah, yeah.
1: DC cab. Yep.
0: And, um, There's that
1: uncommon Valor uncommon Valor. Was, uh, I think those were the three. Yeah. Cause otherwise or, yeah, BMX bandits is December 29th or we so just, those, uh, the other ones are December 16th.
0: Come back and record, you know, either next week or the following, do the best of and year end thing and call it a day until,
1: until after the holidays. Well,
0: what's the first release of 84? Because, If there's something like right away in January, maybe we should like get that out of the way too. I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah, because we like to have it. Yeah, ready to go. Be ahead of it. All right, here we go. 1984. Um, Ordeal by Innocence is January 1st. I don't know what the hell that that is. is. Yeah. Um, Oh, man. January is not not looking. Good so far. Hold on. A movie called Angel on January thirteenth.
0: I think we've already had this conversation at some point, hadn't we? I don't know. I think we said um, Angel and Hot Dog the movie were the ones that we were gonna do for that. Angel is a like All right. women in prison thing, or she like she's a student by day and a hooker by night or something.
1: That's what the box seems to show donna wilkes is your is angel
0: and then hot dog the movie but that movie is hard to find um let me see if it's still not streaming because it every time i try to look it up it's i don't know if there's some rights issue with it or or what but uh angels on tubi by the way so oh yeah definitely gotta do yeah. <laughs> 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 Um. hot dog and every once in a while, I go on eBay and look at... Oh, well, fuck my ass. It's on Tubi also. Well, we better watch it before it goes. I mean, I swear to God, dude, this movie's been yeah. literally unavailable for years. And now it's up oh, yeah. everywhere. I should probably fucking buy it while I have the chance. I don't know. Might never see it again. Wow. That's serendipitous, man. Can you maybe buy they...
1: movies on Tubi? Or how does that work? No,
0: but you can like, buy it from like Vudu or whatever other oh, sure. streaming sites. Um, maybe they think it's because its 40th anniversary is coming up. Okay, Peter, well here, I'm gonna I'll leave this up to you. We can um do the we can do the last episode for this year and maybe the first one of next year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Either way, next time we will be doing our year year end episode.
0: Uh yeah, next time we're uh we it's the end of the year. We're gonna do our our we're reveal our top ten lists of the year. Uh, based on all I'm the excited. movies we reviewed for this podcast, do you even know how many there are? I, it's got to be like 30 or something.
1: 30? I I would think so.
0: I mean, we didn't uh, do something every single week and we had some bonus episodes in there on certain weeks. But anyway, we still have to narrow it down from even if it's 20. That's a lot of movies.
1: Yep. I'm looking forward to the, the challenge.
0: We're up to the task. Yeah. Looking forward to yeah. see how our lists differ. And I bet you we're going to have a lot of similarities, but just in different spots. Is would be my prediction. Yeah.
1: Mine too. Yep. Yeah.
0: So nobody bother even coming back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> just remember to rate, like, <laughs> like subscribe. subscribe. I think that's the big one. We need some subscribers. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're still, we're still the podcast that doesn't do any music or clips. Other than when we hold a, a phone up to a microphone for a few seconds to demonstrate something. The highest in
1: technology. Yeah. Yep. If you see an ad for like, you could put ads on Goodyear blimps like, "The world is yours." Instead, Red One is and I "Big Four Big Four O, yeah, with Ron and Peter.
0: Big Four O is yours.
1: Is. Big Four O is yours. There you go. <laughs>
0: All right, Peter, your mic's starting to all break up. Run. Maybe we take it as a sign. Oh, um, I
1: will. Yep.
0: <laughs> yep. All right. I hope this episode <laughs> turns out okay. I don't know. Um, yeah. Keep rest, me posted. Rest in peace to the the fermentorium. I mean, God, the, the juice packets is just such a great beer, and getting five dollar vinyls there and, and better ones that uh, than at a lot of actual record stores and stuff. I don't know if it's because yeah, all well, the, that really the sucks. record hounds didn't come like rolling in there and grab it all the way they would at a normal place. So stuff was able to hang out there a little longer i'm not sure but uh yeah i i've grown grown fat on their their albums and ambiance and beer and uh i wish that this wasn't happening but as I uh I Tony gone more than said yeah if if you gotta go
1: go with a smile no he
0: what did he say Say hello to my little friend. I don't know.
1: All I have is, yeah, my balls and my yeah. word. Uh, he says a lot in that movie. Uh, yeah. Yeah. How am I going to get a pussy Oh All right. How am I going to get a pussy? How am
0: I going to get a scar like that eating pussy, mate? <laughs> mate? <laughs> they say Ron, Conio a say. lot. What is mean? I, do,
1: I did notice that. I have no idea. cono. <laughs> they say main and cono, Yeah. Well, yeah. Conio. I think
0: it's like understand or, you know, or something like that. But let's find out. How do you think you spell it?
1: There's conyo which is a vulgar word for a woman's vagina. It's conio. frequently translated as cunt. Whoa.
0: Well, that might be why it's <laughs> that... Oh, yeah. It's a vulgar word for a woman's vulva or vagina. It's frequently translated as cunt. Oh, jeez. Okay, well, I'm sorry. I stepped on wow. this fucking landmine. That's what they're saying. That every time they just casually go, Cone-. "That's basically like if you and I were like walking around, just like pussy." Listen, yeah, Cunt, right. listen to what I'm saying to you. They're just like, you know. What I thought it was like listen or understand or you know or or hey or something like that. The way they toss it around, <laughs>
1: Jesus. I did. I I noticed it, but I had no idea that. that... <laughs>
0: Right, well, anyway, intriguing. you you, Konyos tune in next fucking week where uh, we will mm-hmm. be revealing our top 10 list of the year.
1: And uh yeah, it'll be exciting. And Ron, I will see you in 43 hours.
0: Oh, that's right. We got that Die Hard parody thing to go to.
1: Yeah. That looks yep. pretty
0: good from I, I never heard of it until I saw it was coming here, but me neither. Kate was like, hey, yeah, save, save the it. date on the 30th. I got a surprise. I was like, are we going to that Die Hard thing? <laughs> she was like fuck you 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 conyo piece
1: of shit (laughs) i i believe i did say to k i said yeah ron's a punk ass like that he just figures the shit out like (laughs) (laughs) i didn't figure anything
0: out I was just like i I, I had just heard about it and i was like contemplating (laughs) suggesting we go to it or something and and here we are Yeah, that's cool that uh yeah yeah i was worried that she was like uh Hey, have you talked to Peter at all about plans for that night? And I'm like, I don't know if he still thinks it's a surprise or not. So I haven't talked to him about anything.
1: <laughs> no, I'm just slow on making She's like, no, answer. I told him. That you... Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, no. I mean, I'm not saying you should. I I just wasn't going to say it myself. Right. And she's like, no, I, I already talked to him. I'm like, well, the way you make plans with him, God, I got to talk to him every Tuesday. For <laughs> exactly. Three and a half hours. Exactly. You get your fucking <laughs> fill of <with> me, man. <laughs>